A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast. We are the Lorehounds, your guides to Randland. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 5, Damane. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our September podcasting schedule, followed by the White Tower segment where Alicia Sedai and I dive deep into the lore of the books. For early access and ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, uh, consider leaving us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts is the best place, and it helps uh, raise our profile even as far away as the Aiel Waste. Special for the Wheel of Time, we've got a new feed set up. So if you're only interested in Wheel of Time content, you can subscribe to that channel. Our main feed, though, is where you'll get all of our content like Ahsoka and Foundation and MC Universe. And you can find that by searching for The Lorehounds on any podcast platform or YouTube or Spotify or wherever else you want to Google. That's right. And we love to respond to your questions, your thoughts, your theories on air. So send us your feedback for the next episode that we're going to record. As a reminder, we're recording these episodes a little bit in advance because we have access to screeners. So your feedback might be read on a later episode. Send emails to wot at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server and you can find all those links in the show notes. David. Yes, sir. Give me your hot takes. Um, I, you know, this is a very fantasy heavy (laughs) show. It's my jam. Uh, and if you, I, I just wonder about folks who are not into, um, fantasy, uh, if they're fantasy adjacent, this is, there's a lot going on and I found myself, being the non-book reader of our duo, just I, I just had to suspend any thought or analysis and just go for the ride because mm-hmm. this was this one was laying down obviously some beloved characters make an appearance in this one, uh, some 
big plot setup stuff is is happening, you know, with uh, Emmett's fielders being, you know, delivered and set up to be. Um, mm-hmm. What was the uh, what was the Dark Friends Circle Council Coffee Hour uh, Coffee the, Clash? The Dark Friends Social. The Dark Friends Social. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some of that stuff is starting to play out. That you know, yep. Ishmael yep. is his his plans are are in motion, and it's a lot. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I, I am no sci-fi antis, fantasy super expert, you know, but I've consumed a lot in my day. I'm, I'm reasonably, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, equipped to watch and talk about these things. And this is a lot, <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. getting to be a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I have a podcast to follow along to help me. There you go. Uh, but you know, you, it, so, can I ask you something? Yeah. Do you think that this is less accessible than the rings of power? Cause I kind of think the opposite. I think I, you know, it's, it, we haven't, I haven't gone back and watched rings of power since we covered that first season. And I have mixed feelings about that because there were definitely some really interesting, good stuff in there. And then there was some stuff in the middle that got a little bit mushy. Um, and I think in, by, by dint of being that Tolkien is, is a, er, you know, a progenitor, you know, a, 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 a prior source, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's maybe a little bit easier to access, and I don't think the world building uh, is as deep or as complex as this. This throws in a lot of fantasy names, and they're they're doing up the costumes. They're going, you know, mm-hmm. as far as fast as they can go with as much budget as they can. Um, there's lots of things like okay, there's this horn. Everybody's after the horn, but I know nothing about the horn except that it's supposed to be blown for some battle or something, right? But it's and that it can bring back the dead. They've mentioned in this season. Okay, so that's completely lost. It can it brings back an army of of heroes of the horn. Okay, supposedly. Yeah, so a a detail that that I don't have in my short term memory uh, for the for the season. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's just they're just layering out more and more than all all the forsaken and how many are there and and what have you. So I think the the playing pieces on the board, if you will, there's far more and many. And even in this episode, we get introduced to a a new character who I uh, totally assume is a huge fan favorite by the way that they gave her her entrance. The woman that Perrin rescues. Yes, yes, yes. That is. Avienda, she's going to be a big part of the series. Clearly, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. really made a, a big deal of that. Um, and I, by this stage in, I think, Rings of Power, I don't know that I had more characters that I was having to learn. I think I had everybody mm-hmm. on the board, and then it was, you know, wind them up and, and watch them go. Whereas this is still laying track and building scaffolding and structure. And uh, yeah. Um, okay. So okay. I, I think it's a lot, there's a lot more work that's required of me than I, I feel like I'm, I'm having to do more work than I did for rings of power. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, part of that is just, we did a prep series on it. So you were very prepped for it. Yeah. But <laughs> and, even uh, so it's, it's not as, co- there, there's not as many layers yeah, of the cake. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I, wheel of time fans love, right? Is, is that right, Jordan yeah, went, yeah, that's, you know, strength. if, if yeah, right. If 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 Tolkien went to twenty, you know, Jordan went to a hundred. You know, in terms of layers or whatever. I'm just trying to mm-hmm. you know create a, a scale. I don't think Tolkien 
God it's, is I think intricate. it's a different kind of depth, right? Tolkien is intricate, but he is intricate in a way where he wants everything to have its own backstory. Jordan goes wider with it. Hmm. He might go a little bit shallower with it than Tolkien does, because Tolkien will say, well, this rock was placed here by the Numenorians when they invented this. You know, it's it's just like it's very, you know, pick a leaf on the tree and see where see where it comes from. I mm-hmm. think Jordan is more how many trees can I make? Mm. And and they all have a decent amount of depth, but I think it's just kind of a different vibe. He's pulling from a broader array of influences. He's pulling from more Arthurian right. legend. He's pulling right. from uh, Eastern sources, and he is. I mean, Michael Livingston wrote a whole book about the sources right, that right, he pulled exactly. from, just in the, the mundane Earth world uh, sources, right. let alone right. you know literary sources. So right. Meanwhile, I mean, Tolkien. Jo- yeah, Jordan he, had two writing assistants, right, to, right, to right, 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 keep right, yeah. this thing organized. And even that was a full-time challenge for those mm-hmm. uh, folks, as I understand. And you see that become more of a common thing with Martin, right? Martin has a person who compiled right. his world of ice and fire that he calls to double-check his story with <laughs> right, as his he writes facts, it. Right. So that's, and, that's and a the, thing now. The the sh- the writers of the Expanse novels, they were both weren't, were both or one? They were both, I believe, uh, writers for him subwriters for him i think just one actually but i could okay. be wrong i can't remember yeah anyway, so anyway but yeah they're they're in you just you're you you complex world building requires more than one um brain mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so anyway i'm liking this season i'm gonna just give my hot take now okay yeah, um, yeah, yeah i'm really liking this i think that they are nailing what they're taking from the book they're surprising and delighting me on the new stuff I think that they are really doing the characterizations well in a way that is important to get right. I think that the villains are complex. The heroes are starting to be developed more that that feels deeper than it did in season one, where it felt like we were just kind of getting everything thrown at us to get the world set up. Oh, uh, night and day difference between season one and season two so far. Mm-hmm. There's there's a confidence that's happening here that that. Right. Yeah. There's there's something different. There's a qualitative difference that in season two for sure. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm really liking it. I think that the the costuming is looking really good. There was some debate about about wigs and bald caps with Suroth. I didn't I didn't notice anything troubling, but uh, apparently some people had some issues. But overall, I am very pleased with this episode. It brought in a lot of lore. It revealed some things that now I can stop shutting up about, which is nice. Uh-huh. Okay. And it made me as a book reader go, huh, I wonder where they're going to go with that with certain sure. comments. And I'll bring those up as we go through. And I, I guess that's this, this interesting line, which that, you know, we're doing intentionally with our podcast is as the non book reader versus the book reader is the show working in both worlds. Mm-hmm. And for you, clearly it, it's working quite well <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's hannah montana the best of both worlds really okay and for me i just feel like i'm i'm i have i'm having to do a lot of work to keep up and to remember and to to track and log and and i think that's that's um yeah it's at what point does that become work and and not entertainment so that's well that's i think question. that the wheel of time opens up best upon a reread and so does the show right the show does its best on a rewatch and this is not the first show like that. Game of Thrones was much better upon a rewatch. Mm. And that was the most popular show in the world. I think Game of Thrones 
in parts it was accessible in a lot of parts it was really deep with like demon you know uh shadow babies being birthed and and this lore and in essos and all this kind of politicking and i think that it did hold up better when you rewatched it until it got really simple towards well, the end. Well, yeah, we, we're not... We, I mean, we don't really right. want but to talk about the last Thrones, two seasons. Good Game of Thrones was better on a rewatch, and I think that the same will be true of The Wheel of Time. Okay. I'm, yeah. That's where I'm at. Anyway, okay. enough general thoughts. Let's get into the episode. But first, let's give our quick production notes. You've not read the books. I have read the books. Uh, we do have screeners. We we were not sure if we're going to get them past episode four, but we got episode five and we've been told that we're going to get them weekly going forward. So until further notice, these episodes are still going to come out on Fridays, which will be great. Um, we're not going to spoil ahead on events in the books. We will make comparisons with events that already happened. So, you know, if you the, the Leandrin scene was very similar in the books and the and the show, her argument with Surat. So I'll, I'll compare that. But we're not going to go like what happens next with Surath. Uh, and for deep lore and book talk, you can stick around to the end of the podcast. So there will be a big, big, big spoiler warning. There will be an ad break and then we'll talk full book spoilers. So you'll have plenty of time to get out before things get real on that front. David, are you ready for the episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We start off with High Lady Surath receiving a scolding from High Lord Turok her superior in the Shanshan Empire. She is ejected from his council and her fingernails are chopped off. Ishmael introduces Padden Fane and the gift of the Horn of Valir. So we know where Padden Fane went. Yeah, and the horn. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it seems like the fingernails are some sort of sign of rank or mm -hmm. nobility or status. Yeah, I don't recall anything about fingernails in the books, but okay. I know that uh, with the hair, like the less hair you had, the more high up you were in the blood, which is the okay. nobility class. And, and what is this? I, can't, I We did hear this multiple times through the episode uh, of the blood. Mm -hmm. So they started off their empire as the descendants of Arthur Hawkwing's empire, which was this like conqueror thousand years ago who fled across his people fled across the sea and, and uh, Luther Pendrag, the founder of this empire, uh, his, his descendants were the first nobles, but then they somehow came up with a system where you could be brought into the family. So they would say you're of the blood now. Okay. And you are in this nobility class, even though you're not related um, but they still consider you, you know, of the same blood. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what they mean. It's just you're a noble. You're high up in the rankings of the Shanshan okay. Empire. You have you have birthright. Sure, sure. Yeah. But you can you can earn birthright in this empire. It's okay. actually a pretty big meritocracy in a lot of ways. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then we're we're starting to see that there are levels because she's High Lady Suroth was not necessarily mm -hmm. authorized for this expedition. <laughs> you can and be of the blood, but not of the high blood. Mm -hmm. But but there's, yeah, there's, there's levels. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're introducing that 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 this lord answers to another lord who you know there there's hierarchy mm -hmm. here. So yep. and she's not that high up, even though no, she's no. pretty high from a uh, small folk perspective. She's middle management for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks good for middle management. I mean, she's got a, the whole <laughs> the whole thing going she's on. Got a good getup. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's interesting to see Ishmael on the side here, knowing what we know that he's a dark. Well, no, he's not just a dark friend. He's, 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 he's the chief dark forsaken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so what's the game here? Because he's not presenting himself as uh, right. who we know right. him to be. But yet uh, here he is. So, we, you know, there's a game within a game here. He's manipulating and, and doing some stuff. Clearly. Mm-hmm. And we know that Surath is in on it, right? Because for she sure. knows for sure he's a dark friend. I think it's safe to say she was the one with the fingernails yeah. under the table in yeah. the, the dark friend social. Yeah. So my only other uh, comment besides uh, Padden Fane's swagger, which was fun to watch, was that for a long lost horn, everybody really, kn- every, everybody who's messes with know. this thing <laughs> knows how to open it and I knows exactly. Too, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this thing's been lost for X, you know, <laughs> a long time. Nobody's seen it in a X amount of long time, but everybody knows how to open it. So, yeah, it was my same complaint in the, the Ahsoka premiere of how, uh-huh. you know, Ahsoka could solve this whole Indiana Jones uh, right. temple but mm-hmm. she can't figure out a map right right you know like this this is <laughs> Twist, okay. yes exactly she aligns multiple little posts together and, mm-hmm. and gets into the temple itself yeah yeah that's a good point uh, but i can't I do it if it's smaller well i was just going to ask about the um the sanction empire do you feel that they're from the book perspective to the 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 practical costuming that we're seeing here does that is it vibing for you mm-hmm. they said it's that- a lot yeah, the, you know, the book said that they looked bug-like in their armor, and I think they've nailed that. I think okay. it really does look like that. Uh, the The colors is the one thing that people were a little bit annoyed about because uh-huh. they wanted it to be an actual collar and not this, like, I don't even know what to call it, but this, like, neck and shoulder armor. Oh, you uh, mean with the, uh, the women channelers? Yeah. The Demane, yeah. Yeah. So, but but now oh, wait, we that's see the title that there of the episode. Is. Yes. Exactly. Oh, okay. All right. That's so, all right. Is. Sorry. Yep. Connection. Con- connection made. Okay. Good. Yep. Light. Yep. A light bulb just went in my head. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people were annoyed about that, but they they now have the color. Like you see, Egwene getting it put on her. And yeah. Yeah. The color, right. and then it forms the gold. Right. Um. The other thing was they are like physically leashed in. Yeah the book and they did not have that until this episode, they have a Gwen physically leashed with the chain. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it seems very, um, I want to say, uh, kind of Persian inspired or it's very, you know, um, from the, you know, the, the middle Eastern region of, of, of our earth, it feels okay. like it's drawing a lot of influence. Um, I mean, they're not sticking. I, I, I appreciate the fact that they're not sticking to, a a particular physical type for the actors and the, and the extras mm-hmm. on these scenes. It's just like, you know, but we just get some human bodies in here and we don't, you know, right. You know, you, are you good? You want part? the culture You're to part. feel complete. Exactly. You don't need the, I don't need yeah, skin yeah. color issues. Right. 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 So, and which is nice. It's, it's a refreshing to see shows, you know, approaching it in, in that way. Um, but yeah, it just, it does have a very, uh, it's, it's, vibing hard from a from what we would refer to as a middle eastern culture so sure and and what's interesting about that is that you know we've talked about how the wheel of time is supposed to be this cycle right so this is our world mm-hmm. in a different age right and geographically shanchin is basically north america 
Oh, and, interesting. And this is, you know, Randland is basically Europe geographically. Huh. Okay. So they, this is the Americans coming back to take Europe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's hope that's not spoilery. <laughs> I, it's just geography, you know. Okay. It's just. It's just. Right. I mean, you you know from the beginning, like this world goes in cycles. They even show you skyscrapers at some point. In, right. I remember in, in season, uh, one. season yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah. they they make that explicit very early. Whereas I think it's only in book four that you get references to objects of our world. Okay. Um, so, so the show has just chosen to move that up and that's fine. So I'm going to talk about it. Not to belabor too many points too, but I think having that kind of stuff a little bit explicit helps my onboarding. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, I need, I need handholds and, and step ladders here to, to get into this world. And I think having mm-hmm. some of that broader contextual stuff that you're like that, you just gave me, um, makes me feel a little less lost and gives me a little bit more agency. So. Yep. Keep that. There, this is the third age in the wheel of time. There will be mm-hmm. a third age again, and there's been a third age before. That's okay. how this <laughs> world goes. This will keep happening. This Got is it. one iteration. Okay. Okay. So Rand and Moraine flee Lanfear, who is resurrected by Black Weaves. Moraine convinces a stable woman to come with them on three horses and kills the fourth to prevent Lanfear from following. Lanfear kills a man on horseback and follows Rand on horseback. Uh, <laughs> complaining about the, <laughs> complaining about the, uh, is there anything slower than a horse? That was, that right. was a good line. Yeah. Fair I enough. think uh, there's a lot of references to the age of legends having better technology, right? Okay. Cause otherwise, why is she complaining about a horse? There would be nothing faster. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Yeah. That, well, that was, that, that was the thought that I had when she made that statement it begs the question, what's faster than a horse? What, what is she, you know? Riding dragons that have, you know, that flying dragons or, you know, helicopters or yeah, what? Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they they were a lot more techie in the Age of Legends. And I I I don't think they get too explicit in the books about what that means. But we just know there was technology. There was more Mm -hmm. technology there. And that's why later on you have Lanfear and Ishmael kind of mocking the current generation of like, why are they still fighting with swords? Right. Yeah. So interesting here with uh, Moraine. Uh, flashing her ring, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's she can't She's do taking out with her it. her cop badge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that's exactly what it was. She flashed her badge. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, her badge means nothing because <laughs> she doesn't have any power to back it up. Right. Well, so. the only thing it means is if she takes the horse, she'll send gold from the Amarlin seat later. Okay. That's but, that's always yeah. a thing. She'll be like, like people know generally if if. If uh, an Aes Sedai does eminent domain, they write to the tower and the tower is like, all right, here's some silver. Go away. Right. Fair enough. Well, that's fair. Right. Otherwise, people would get kind of upset. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I am looking at a close up of the ring and uh, this is the first time I've actually seen a, a quite a close up of it. And it's a snake eating its tail, mm-hmm. which is the loop over the stone. Right. And then we knew that the right. stone was colored. For the Aja, but I didn't I never picked up on the snake eating its own tail detail. Yeah, it's so an Ouroboros. Cool. Right. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's like the actual real life term of it. And Ouroboros, right. the snake right. eating its own tail. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, the, they call it a great serpent ring in mm-hmm. the, in the show and in the books. Cool. Well, yeah, I think they've done a nice job, um, modeling them. It, it looks lorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Okay. This is what it'd be. Yep. 
Did you notice the black marks going through Lanfear's eyes? So Alicia had posted somebody else's, uh, a tweet from somebody else, uh, you know, talking uh, about that from the end of last season. And I, just from the the looping gif that I saw, some people call it a gif. Uh, some people call <laughs> it X. Um, that there was supposed to be something going on there. And I didn't notice it. But then in the... Uh, previously, was it on the previously on? I don't it know. Was, I it was during the resurrection. You can see. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in the but previously, and then did they show it on the previously on? I don't remember. I didn't notice in the previous on, but in the actual scene here where she's being yeah, yeah, resurrected, yeah. Yeah. there's definitely the, I know. the black box. You, you, you see it then, but I, I, it's it's in the previously on when I saw it on a much bigger screen because the, the tweet that I saw that had the little okay. gif of it, I couldn't tell what was going on, but then I saw it because uh, I was clued in into it, but it was very subtle. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that if you were not looking for it, like, I didn't notice it at first. At least yeah. had to point it out to me. Exactly. Which we recorded the White Tower segment first. So if I'm like saying things <laughs> from that, just that's why. <laughs> right. Because we got timey wimey with it. We did get timey wimey with it. But uh, yeah, the, it's um, it does mean something. You don't know what it is yet. I can't say, but pay attention to that. Sure. Yeah, it, clearly. And the, there was some black stuff coming in when she was resurrecting. Mm-hmm. There was I'm reading some... that as it, see. I don't even know what that is exactly because that's new. But I'm reading that as the dark one resurrecting her. Oh, and not her own power. Uh, her own. Well, we learned in season one you can't heal yourself with Moraine and her wound. Mm. Remember that she had to find another Aes Sedai. So, in in Lanfear's still using the same one power. Maybe. Yeah, because there's definitely she, black. She things. is. She is. But mm-hmm. uh, the question is, is there some other force helping her get back? Because that's not normal to be able to come back from death like that. I see. Interesting. Interesting, too, that when she is getting that black power, she actually draws her hand across her wound, almost like she's zippering it up. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a, pretty spooky. It. Well, so. she does some zippering of, of <laughs> mouths later. So <laughs> Yes, she does. She did. She did do that. That yep. was very uh, Mr. Anderson. Uh, oh, I was thinking spooky. Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. I don't know that reference. Oh, that's going on the that's going on the second breakfast for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. OK, that's good. going on there. Yep. All right. Let's go to Perrin. And uh, Elias gives Perrin more wolf orientation before Perrin realizes they're walking away from Falm and Perrin decides to leave the pack. So they went back to where? I don't even remember the name of the town. It doesn't matter. It's just okay. this town. It's the town where they swore the oaths. Where who swore what oaths? Where Uno was swearing the oath and they were. Oh, that town. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Then no, that makes sense. And then he didn't want to do that. So he he bails. So. Right. Yeah. Elias escaped and then later rescued Perrin with the wolves from the caravan. Right. Then they then he walked them back the other way away from the Shanchan. He's like, you don't want to be involved with that, buddy. Come with us. Right. Cause we're just going to bug out. We're, we're not, we don't want to mm-hmm. mess with all these, uh, I said, I and white cloaks mm-hmm. and Shanchan. They can just do whatever. We're going to go mm-hmm. do our wolfy thing, chase some elk and whatnot. Join the canine unit, Perrin, you know, that's, right. that's what he's saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a lot to say in this scene. Just, no. uh, you know, we learn Perrin's going to keep getting wolfier throughout time. And mm, right. that's about it. Right. 
Moraine gives Rand some honesty and tells him what really happened at the Eye of the World. She says if Ishmael can free the rest of the Forsaken, they have no hope of winning the last battle. She really has got to be a little bit more forthright with this guy. <laughs> Come with me. Trust me. What's going on? I don't have time to tell you. Uh, that is a we, we were talking uh, on the Ahsoka podcast about the, you know, when n- people like tropes, they just don't like it when they, they're used badly. I bl- mm-hmm. Something that paraphrasing your quote. And that is one of the ones that I hate that gets used okay. all the time, which is, yeah. you know, come with me. Why? What's going on? I don't have time to tell you. Yeah, you uh, can at least you can at least hint at what's happening, right? Right. Is <laughs> you're like, automatically setting up drama and tension. It, it's manufactured. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess she does tell him, okay, that's one of the Forsaken. We got to go. Tell yeah. you the rest later. I think that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Sure. And, and she does. She says, you know, she'll, she can... She, she's going to come get us and, and we have to go. And, and he knows mm-hmm. that she can't lie because of her oath. Right. So. And there was a question of whether she could lie because she was cut off. Uh-huh. And Alicia pointed out that that's kind of answered in this episode when she tries to lie about Rand to her sister. And mm, she just interesting. Can't. She has to just call him Rand. Okay. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that when Lanfear is riding down the path, she's got uh, a bit of a, a a whip, an energy whip sort of uh, coiling in her hands. <laughs> yep, that yep. was interesting. Got, and getting I, the lasso together, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was wondering they where they start this scene, there is like a mile marker or a sign, po- you know, kind of a big tombstone-y looking like mm-hmm. thing with a bunch of writing on it. And I didn't know if that had any particular meaning. I didn't even notice. Oh, okay. But I think we're we're just outside Kyrian in uh-huh. this in this mountain area and uh, in this forested area, and then we have Lanfear being led towards Tarvalon, and then Rand and Moraine are obviously going back to Kyrian. I'm going to need a map. Direction. I need one of those yeah. little maps yeah. where they little <laughs> little tokens moving <laughs> around. Yeah. Yeah, that would be helpful. You know, yeah. it's funny when I used to watch, I was so into Game of Thrones at its peak. And then right. obviously my heart was broken in the last season. But when I was really into it, I used to take out Game of Thrones risk every week. And I used to place <laughs> the different factions wow. on different parts of the board That's to visualize where we were going. I was so yeah. into it. I wish I had Wheel of Time risk so I could. Do yeah, that. yeah. You Seriously, you need that. Uh, there's no real Wheel of Time role playing game. Uh, I'm sure there's something. I just don't games? know about it. I uh, yeah. you're you're the tabletop guy. You tell me. Yeah, I I haven't encountered it, but I haven't been looking for it either. So that's there you uh, go. There you go. There you go. Um, I, we didn't talk about it, but I mean, Maureen killing a horse. That was kind of. I'm glad they they only. I'm glad they didn't show us the actual <laughs> yeah, thing like yeah. they did with Uno. Uh, you know that it was. I think people get upset when when animals get hurt, <laughs> which is just like. You know, you're okay with people getting murdered. It's it animals. is. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. I, I agree. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I, I will say that Lan is in that scene was less. He's he's he Rand. was less grating. Not Lan. Me. Did I say Lan? I meant you Rand. You said Lan. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. I was like, wait a minute. Where was Lan in this episode? Yeah. No, no <laughs> just brain synapses. Um, yeah. Rand was is this whole episode Rand is becoming less um, occurring uh, as a less of a um, adolescent boy. And he's starting, something's happening 
mm-hmm. with the writing and his acting that I know I was kind of, you know, bagging on him last week. Um, it that seems to be changing and that I can appreciate. And 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 by the end of the season, I was kind of looking at him in different ways. And this scene with Moiraine is 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 when things started to shift a little bit for me mm-hmm. for Rand. I think he got a wake up call, right? I mean, he's been sleeping with a forsaken. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you realize right. he's got to he's got to <laughs> do a little bit more critical thinking while yeah. he goes through the world. Yep. Also, he's probably become complacent because he just thought he was waiting around to go mad and die. Mm. And now he realizes, oh, I got a whole job to do. And I actually accidentally made this worse right. last season. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a whole mess. All right, let's go to Perrin again. Hopper follows Perrin to find Uno's body, which was not buried. Perrin goes into the village and finds an Aiel woman sitting in a cage. A man named Dane tells Perrin about the curfew and brings him to the inn for a room. Dane says the Aiel's crime was walking into the wrong place at the wrong time. Eavesdropping, Perrin hears white-cloaked child Valda address Dane Bornhold and realizes the town has been taken over by white cloaks. So it, the Aiel woman, is, isn't is Rand from, is this the same region Rand is from? Correct. He's, okay. well, he's Oh my he's God, did I get something right? Them. You did. <laughs> uh, he's descended from them. Okay. But he was raised, obviously, by Tam and the Two Rivers. Right. So right, remember, right. we saw his mother. Yeah, that's uh, right. Who was yeah. a maiden of the spear, just like Avienda. Uh, okay. Right, right. So Avienda introduces herself. She does it later, but I'll just talk about it now. Uh-huh. Avienda introduced herself as Fardaras Mai, which means maidest, maiden of the spear. So they okay. are supposed to be wedded to the spear. Okay. They are they're warrior nuns, right? They are wedded to the spear. Got um it. and they uh they're very cool. They're very fierce warriors. That's why she uh is very confident throughout this whole episode sure. and I really appreciated that. They did a great job doing it. Were you surprised that Dane ended up being a white cloak? No, uh he was too clean and too pretty and and walking around too confidently and I think when they were sitting at the table, well, yeah, parent. I mean, that's the moment of of the reveal, right? Is is that we see a little bit of white cloak under it, outside of his brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't too shocked. It felt all pretty set up. Um, yeah, so, which yeah is why I was so surprised that in the Amazon screener instructions they said do not reveal in your you know descriptions and whatnot. Uh-huh. That Dane is a white cloak. I was like, you reveal okay. that within a minute of him showing up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so Dane and Avienda are, is Dane. I'm, I'm assuming that Dane is going to be a character that's going to be with us for a while as well. He'll too. be around here yeah. and there. He, he's yeah. not like a main, but he's he's around here and there. You did meet his father last season, and they did not do a good job reminding you of that. Okay. Um, do you recall when the Emmonsfield Five with Moraine and Lan meet white cloaks along the road? She yeah. pretends not to be an Aes Sedai, and right. he sees the wound, says, go find an Aes Sedai and go get healing. He seemed like a very moderate white cloak, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's his dad. Mm-hmm. That's his okay. dad. Got it. Yep. And he does seem, uh, he, you know, he's presenting a, a bit of a reasonableness when we've seen other white cloaks being unreasonable. So Yeah, there's certainly degrees of zealotry within the white cloaks, right? Like, Vala is top-notch just completely bought in and just thinks everyone right. else is evil. 
and Vault um, is the one who tortured Perrin last season. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, uh, this is this this may be an obscure reference, so we could cut it if, <laughs> if it doesn't play out. <laughs> I'm leaving. But you it know, in. if you know in um, in uh, I believe it's Rebels with mm-hmm. the guy who is an imperial officer who ultimately ends up sort of defecting and working Callus. with them. Yes, yep. that's him. He he kind of has Callus vibes for me. Okay, so, I buy that. Like there's a there's a bit of honor, there's a bit of something else going on. He's not, you know, he's not terrible, terrible. So there's just some <laughs> some other there's two there's an outward uh appearance and then there's an inward energy that don't necessarily seem in harmony to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course he's just willing to let an Aiel woman die because she was in the wrong place at the wrong I'm time. I'm not saying that he's not <laughs> You know, Callus, when he was, you know, a bad guy, he was a bad guy until he wasn't. Sure, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that that was a big reveal or anything. I think you're right. This was very obvious from the beginning. Something was up with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I knew because I knew the character's name, but still, it's just like. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. It doesn't matter. I thought right. the scene was well done. I thought that the introduction of Perrin to a white cloak was cool, uh, especially a white cloak that he kind of liked. Mm-hmm. That was a way to humanize the white cloaks a little bit for us. Whereas before, they had mostly been pretty evil. Uh, and we see Child Valda uh, with his arm in a sling because wasn't that where Perrin stabbed him? I believe so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So he's still healing from that. That's fun. Yeah. It's honestly spooky to me how they call each other child. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. It, it's so a, spooky. But it's uh, it's perfect, right, for the characters because it yeah. adds that level of, like, ick. And I still don't quite get the the white cloaks, where their power base is. How is it they can fund mm-hmm. to have units in the field? And who, like, if you're wandering around somebody else's kingdom and they don't want you there, like, is that's going to call? I, yeah, I, I'm yeah, still yeah. a little vague on the the political structures here that allow white cloaks to sort of wander around and, you know, string up Aes um, Sedai. I could tell you, but that would take 20 minutes, and I'm not <laughs> well, sure if my point. The, they'll actually do this in the show. <laughs> okay. Save it. You can save it for later. <laughs> Let's save it. Let's save it. Suffice it to say, they've amassed some kind of influence in this world. Clearly. Yep. Lanfear catches up to the stablewoman who brought all the horses as a ruse. Lanfear admires Moraine's use of the woman as bait, then seals the woman's mouth shut. Well, at least she didn't kill her. <laughs> yeah, I, Somebody I thought could, she was you know, going to die. Those. Yeah, I thought she was going to pop her head like the guy that she did on the horse. Mm-hmm. That was I pretty brutal. This was a, yeah, this was a surprise and delight moment for me because I was, I was like, all right, she's just going to kill her just like the last guy. No, she right. was more creative than that. Right. Just as more cruel in some ways. Maybe. I mean, she, you're, you're not, your life doesn't end because you can't talk. It's just. No, but it's, but you're living with the terror of that now, right? That's true. That's true. It's different to have your mouth sewn shut. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Varen visits her brown sisters in the White Tower with a gift from Adelaus. She begins her investigation into Egwene and Nynaeve. Never say that the brown Aja doesn't get up to some, you know, fun and mischief. Um, mm-hmm. She's she's actually on the case, right? Very the best. Yeah, she's she's awesome. She's she's got a great vibe. She seems like a cool person, like somebody I would totally love to hang out with and have a have a couple of you know fun meals with. 
probably my second favorite character in the whole series. Okay. Yeah. She's really great. And yeah. uh, I can't wait for you to see why she's really great. Okay. Is she got a cool backstory? Is that what you're saying? She's got everything. She's okay. got everything you could ever want in a character. And cast. I like the casting that they have for her. She's got... Um, She's got a, uh, the, I think the actor brings a, the the right kind of gravitas for the role mm-hmm. that they're clearly trying to por- portray. It's this false humility mm-hmm. and false friendliness right? that she goes into every situation with where she's really unassuming. poking and prodding, right? right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a great word for it, unassuming. Yeah. Whereas oh, she's I'm just really brown, like gathering you know, all bookish. this information. Yeah. I'm writing a history. Yeah. yeah. About you. I'm going <laughs> to tell your story. Everything. So tell yeah. me more. So, yeah. yep. So that's pretty much just the beginning of a running plot. So we can move on from that. Nynaeve awakens in the ways where she realizes that the Le- Leandrin was actually recruiting her for the Black Aja. Leandrin has shielded and bound the Wonder Girls. I've decided I'm going to start using <laughs> the, the fandom Girls. name for. for oh, that. really? That's okay. That's what the fandom calls Egwene, Works for Nynaeve, me. and Elaine, the Wonder Girls. Works for me. Yeah. This was a great scene for me. I liked how Leandrin was so not angry. She was so together, right? Mm-hmm. And Nynaeve's just like, what you're doing is terrible. You, you're trying to recruit me for the dark. I'm never going to do that. She's like, It'll be easier for you, you know, just like <laughs> just like very, very casual about it. Yeah. And so we have to then obviously go into what is the motivation for her to be a dark friend? What is she being bought by? What is she what is she trying to achieve or gain by playing for the other side? Right. And I think it must have to do with her son. Right. Th- that's at least the obvious things that they're setting up so far. Mm-hmm. So, and just as a reminder, the sun is a show creation. So this okay. is all new backstory. There's no reasoning given for Leandrin's turn to the dark in the book. Okay, got it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's I, just she's just a bad guy in the book. Yes, she's bad, very unsympathetic in the book. There's like nothing to admire about Leandrin in the book. So I'm I'm actually glad that they've done more to humanize her in the show. She it makes her a better villain. I I tend to agree that. Um, two-dimensional mustache twirling black hat wearing villains are boring. We're, you know, human beings are complex. We're complex things. We have complex motivations. And even when we're, um, our interests are work counter to the common good, I guess you could say if I'm trying to be, trying to how to figure out how to describe this, you know, people with bad motivations are, when we can understand, when we have some sympathy or understanding with their motivations, it makes for more compelling storytelling. Right. It's why Thanos and, was a good villain, right? Is, exactly. Is that you can yeah. kind of get where he's coming from. He just has monstrous means. Or Balin Skull, or yeah, you know, you we we name it. I still don't know what Balin Skull wants to do, so I'm I'm not including him on that list. Okay, I am. I he's got All some right. greater good in mind. Anyway, All right. can you tell, dear listener, that we're covering three shows right now? Our brains are kind of exploding with lore. It's hard not to keep it spilling out all over the place. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I'm going to say that one of the themes that this season seems to be really honing in on is there's a reason people go to the dark. We've heard okay. them talk about it in the context of Leandrin, mm-hmm. of Lanfear, of 
I, I think Inktar brought it up with the the Shinarin that they found. You know, he probably had some kind of reason. Pat and Fane probably had some kind of reason. There's this ongoing conversation. Oh, and and even Ishmael brings it up with Suroth later. I know mm-hmm. why you swore mm, your oath. Yeah, right. So he, he directly challenges her with that. Right. So this seems to be this whole season seems to be making you think. Okay, there are villains in this world. Why are there villains in this world? Because they're not uh, two-dimensional mustachio twirling villains. They're not. Right. Everybody that they're presenting us, they're presenting three-dimensionally. You and even get Ishmael's. Yeah, you even get mm-hmm. Ishmael's uh, motivation in this, which is he thinks you can end suffering only by stopping time itself, mm-hmm. by ending everything. Sure. Yeah. Because I, I don't this cycle is going to keep going and going and going. <laughs> And he right. just wants it to end. That's why he swore his oaths to the dark. He's supposed to be the guy who most gets the dark one. Right. And That's he says what, that in this episode. Right. Yeah. right exactly. So. And they they bring that in really early in this and they don't bring it in as early in the book. So I'm glad that they did because it really opens up Ishmael's character. Well, and this is what, you know, just to jump back a little bit, um, you know, my my feeling about this episode was that somewhere I, I can't remember which exact scene but things started to turn a little bit. Maybe it was when he started getting into the dream stuff and whatnot. There was, and, and some of these motiv- these deeper motivations, then the show, like I was saying before, like, oh, wait, there's, there's more going on here. It's not just fantasy stew for the sake of fantasy stew, but there's, I'm, I'm starting to detect things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we're getting into some deep themes here. And I think yeah. the biggest one is, why would someone choose to put their soul on the line? Mm, that's a that's a that's an interest. A show should have a point of view and should be asking questions. So that's cool that they're doing that. Right. All right. Moving on. Suroth confronts Ishmael for getting her in trouble with Turok. Suroth wants to kill Turok, but Ishmael won't allow it. When Suroth continues to push back, Ishmael uses her reason for joining the dark to shut her down. We kind of talked about this already. Yeah. But right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this whole idea of what what makes a villain motivated to become that villain. Why? And we could, you know, she has power already. She could work her way up in Shanshan society. Why choose the dark? Mm-hmm. Shortcut. Sure. Quicker. It reminds yeah. me of it reminds me of that game show they made in in the Star Wars. Oh, universe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where you, you could use... choose to follow the dark side, but it would be and it would give you a shortcut. But it would make give you a harder challenge later. Right. Uh-huh. There you uh-huh. go. Darth Maul's at work again. That's right. So this room, like I was talking uh, before, the room in the scene has a lot of Moroccan influences as well. So they're okay. just going with this very interesting vibe. And then we get to see Suroth now, right? And and she had whatever headdress she's wearing seems to have some big hair pieces, but here she's not. Right. She doesn't she's got the more of a mohawk style uh, or, yeah. you know, center cut. Yeah. Yeah. She um, she has very little hair and that is signifying good that thing. she's higher up. Yeah. Right. Even though she wears yeah. a big headdress that looks like she's got more hair than she does. So. Right. But right maybe that's her. for going on this expedition for maybe it's some sort of, you know. Yeah. I don't recall if there was further development. I got to I got to bring up my book like 11 through 14 to remember remember the actual rules of Shanshan society, which they, they go deeper into there. That's fine. Don't, don't, not on my (laughs) account anyway. 
Yeah. Did you did you have any problems with the bald cap? Uh, it looked weird. Uh, I got used to it, but on first glance, yeah, there was. It didn't look right. You think because she had too long hair for the bald cap? No, it made there. It made her her. Uh, I don't want to be. Th- this isn't anything about the the person who is the actor. Mm-hmm. This has to do with costuming and the way that they costumed. The way that they placed the bald cap actually misshapens her head, so her head doesn't look okay. normal. It looks it, it it's enlarged in areas where where I wouldn't expect that to be on, on average. So better than it, dyeing a kid's hair green to make him half. <laughs> moving <twilight>. on. <laughs> <laughs> I think the interesting thing about this scene, like like we talked about, was the the fact that Ishmael has some card that he's playing over her. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Perrin again, who sneaks out and frees the Aiel, who introduces herself as Avianda. Avienda. Oh, my God. I said it wrong. Oh, I've read these books John. Uh, as Balin, Avienda, Balin. Uh, one of the far Duras Mai. Uh, they are discovered by Dane and his white cloaks, but Avienda easily overpowers them. Perrin and Avienda escape before reinforcements come. Did you love when Perrin tries to protect her and she just giggles, basically? She <laughs> right, chuckles yeah. at him. Yeah, it was a great character tell moment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, aren't you sweet? Pat, right. pat, pat on the head. Mm-hmm. Please step aside. But, but, but by the end, they were working in tandem. Yeah, they were buddy copping. Yep. So, you know, that, that again is a, you know, some character moment about what we're probably going to see more of Mm -hmm. with these two. So they call fighting dancing the spears. And that's why she goes, Do you like to dance, Paranaibar? Right, 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 right. So great line. I think that's directly from the book, but I will tell you that in the book, it's a different uh, Aiel that uh, Paran meets this way. Okay. It's It's a guy named Gaul. Mm-hmm. And he becomes a recurring character. They can completely write him out and I won't care. So it's okay. fine to introduce Avienda like this. She's a character that shows up a little bit later. And I think um, I think it's good to have her here now. Feels that, you know, the more that you talk about the changes that they're making, it feels like they're making confident changes. They're confident in their decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, really liked Avienda's entrance here. Um, the veiling was really cool. They That's a thing with Aiel. They always veil their face before they kill. Okay. And so they've she she lifts her veil and she's like, I'm going to fuck these people up. So, right. (laughs) (laughs) Which fair enough, they put her in a birdcage. Yeah. And so far, we don't have any uh, redeeming qualities uh, presented to us for the uh, white cloaks. So, no, they have a little bit of kindness from the Bornholds. That's it. But just the one dude. Yeah. 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 All right. Moraine brings Rand back to Kyrian where she tells him they cannot sleep or Lanfear will hurt them and Teleron Riode, the world of dreams. Can you can you say that 10 times fast for me? Dude? No, world of dreams, world of dreams, world of dreams. <laughs> Teleron Riode. Teleron Riode. Okay. Teleron Riode. Yep, it's not it's really not that bad when you it's break that it down. Hard. It's just yeah. it's just a lot of letters and apostrophes. Yeah. 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 Um, so they arrive at Anver State where they meet Barthanis, Moraine's nephew, engaged to the queen. He seems like a nice guy. Rand reunites with his friend Anver. Barthanis is the name of a character in the book, and he's a completely different character. Um, so I think that they're going to do similar things, but not exactly the same thing. Okay. 
can't tell these, you too much. But all yeah. these people in this town are dressed in blue. So I okay. thought that was interesting. Didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah. This is not the foregate now because they're going to be in the noble section. Right, of town. for sure. Yeah, yeah. At the at the Damadred estate. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Like he, he seems pretty genuine and mm-hmm. uh, pretty excited to see his aunt. So that was sweet. And I am for for as I th- I'm hoping that I'm, I'm trying to find the words of what I want to say here. Hopefully that Maureen's got Rand in hand now. She's got you know uh, she's located him and he's she he's being pliable and going along with what she wants. Maybe she can be less of a jerk to everybody around her. <laughs> right. You know, she a <laughs> little less hasty, a little bit more manners. She can trade a joke or two with her nephew. Right. You know, soften, soften things a little bit more rain. Yeah. It'll go easy well, on the rest of us. We'll see. She does seem to loosen up a little bit by the end of the episode. And perhaps to Ren's detriment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you like Ren reuniting with Anver? And she's she's like, yeah, we know each other. Don't worry. Yeah, about yeah. That. that was cute. <laughs> that was great. That was good. I wonder. I wonder what they're going to talk about now. Uh, you know, well, and and does does she know that that was Landfear? I guess that's the the other question. I mean, oh she, no, and Anver does not know that that was no. Landfear. She doesn't know that stuff. So she just knows that Rand was was uh, gate crashing a party. All right, David. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll head back to the White Tower. And we're back. Varen asks Sheriam about Egwene and Nynaeve. Sheriam checks her notes and finds an entry about them and Elaine visiting Camelin. Sheriam seems to be losing memories. Varen uses a book request as a ruse to make room for Naomi, who sneaks a peek at Sheriam's entry. The brown Aes Sedai find Sheriam's handwriting may suggest compulsion of forbidden weave. Right. So clearly all the way the way it's reading to me is this is all Leandrin's uh, doing. Mm-hmm. That's certainly right. what they're suggesting. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the, the, the plain reading of it, as far as I can tell. Yeah. So Leandrin used compulsion on Sherry. Compulsion, of course, so, pretty self-explanatory. You're using yeah. a weave to use mind control on somebody's right. Jedi mind tricks. Now, if you've been compulsed. Uh, if I can say it that way, um, would you remember? Or would you? Depends. Okay. If the so, uh, if, if the person's really good at it, you won't. So is uh, Sheriam? Does she know that she? So that's the question: Is is she lying, or is she operating under some sort of clouded, uh, erased memory scenario? I think that this portrayal seems to suggest she does not know there is no compulsion of this sort in the book so this is new for the show i think that they're suggesting that she does not know okay and that she is sort of troubled by the fact that she did not remember that seems like a big deal the daughter heir is out of your custody yeah yeah no it's a big deal and to have three Mm -hmm. uh uh, but especially uh, right is is that the queen's daughter you don't want to piss off the queen nor Nynaeve, the most powerful channel that channeler that you've had since, you know, uh, somebody that they referred to before. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's uh it's a big problem. Big problem yeah, for Sherry I'm problem. not keeping track of her students. Leandrin delivers the Wonder Girls to the Shanchin and trades insults with Surath. Before she leaves, she loosens Nynaeve's bonds. The Wonder Girls break free, and Elaine gives them cover to escape. However, Egwene is captured. So this was interesting that um, Leandrin, even though she's agreed to pay or, you know, to play this game for whatever price that she's going to, to receive. She's still spitting in the soup as it's going out from the kitchen to go out to the table, to the customer. <laughs> yeah, she was like, yeah. okay, here's your, you know, here's your thing, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put some yucks in your yum. Right. At the same time. Well, she's been told to deliver these people to the right. shop. Yeah. But also she thinks it's repulsive that people are being leashed to channel, right? Right. And I think so she it genuinely her. likes Nynaeve. Right. I think you're right. And it 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 repulses her that um that uh, a channeling woman would be leashed in this way. Right. I like how she's like, yeah, I'll murder everybody, but yeah. <laughs> this is too far. <laughs> this yeah. is too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um what'd you what'd you think of this whole um, Nynaeve being helpless and uh, it, it, Elaine has to get them out of there. I'm getting Nynaeve is, was one of my favorite characters coming out of season one and she's taxing my appreciation this season so far. Okay. Because she's just still kind of running around like a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh, I'm Nynaeve and I'm mad and I'm yeah, upset. Yeah, that's, that's and, Nynaeve. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, great. I, I I get it. Let's see some growth here. Let's see some. Let's see something different with that. Let's let's see some motion mm-hmm. with that. So, and you know, we like Elaine just keeps to be being this like cool ass character. <laughs> yeah, so, we like Elaine, especially show Elaine is cooler than book Elaine. Yeah, she's she's definitely happening. Uh, and you know, uh, that one of them is captured. Okay, you know, like that's that's some you know dramatic tension. I thought it was interesting that um, Demane were like shooting mortars. They were like yeah, launching yeah. energy bolts up that were were coming down. I thought that was interesting. Well, and the they thing about sh- Demane is that mm-hmm. they are trained to fight, which is something expressly forbidden of Aes Sedai. They right. can they can only attack dark friends or those trying to do them harm. It's not like other than the green Aja, they don't train to fight. They train to heal. They train to, you know, channel learn. and, and yeah. learn and, and purify water and whatever else they need to do. So, but th- that's by culture and custom. Right. And I think we learned, wait, was it, when, when did I learn that fact that the, it's all becoming a blur, um, that the Aes Sedai have rules. Don't Season we learn that one, in this they episode? talk about it. Uh-huh. But there was a, somebody, there was a reason. Uh, it was in this episode, wasn't this it? This episode, they talked about the oaths, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you why? Know, you why, saying, why were you able to break the oaths? Yes, right, right. So, uh, where the where the Shanshan clearly don't have that culture and custom. So, no, they don't. You can use the one power however the heck you want. The only reason yep. that I said I or do that is because of cult- because they swear on the one power, right? They set up a, a spell, I guess, to affect right. themselves. They use the oath rod to enforce yeah. this on them. It makes exactly. it literally, there's like a binding on them that will right. not let them do these things they swear not to do. Right. 
Well, it's nice to see Leandrin making friends far and wide. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever Leandrin goes. Yeah, the dialogue from the scene is almost straight from the book. Like I I re-listened to the book two audiobook recently, and that's Mm -hmm. almost exactly the exchange. You know, she's like, I'm going to be your boss. No, I'm going to be your boss. And everybody's just, you know, trying to one up each other. Right. Um, love, love the exchange between Surath and Leandra, and it's very whiny. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I did like the addition of her showing a little bit of mercy to Nynaeve. That yeah. mm-hmm. adds something that was not there in the books, because I think in the books it was actually Nynaeve that saved them with a weave, like just kind of blew everything up, and then they get out and they realize that Gwen's not with them. Right. The I do have to say for the the foot soldiers and guards for the um uh, uh I'm the I apologize yep. the Shangshan, thank you um are scary as hell and mm-hmm. even the the guards that are on the stairs have a different outfit than the guards that are on the ground so there's hierarchy here yep. um the uh, Damane look really interesting with the, uh, you know, the, I, I don't know what else to call it, but uh, uh, the mouth guard or the, the pacifier looking mm. like thing. I think a gag would be an The gag gag is the, okay, that's an appropriate <laughs> word as well. I was trying yep. to figure out something. It's a gag. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. There's no gag in the book, by the way. This is a show creation. Okay. And, to, uh, to demonstrate their, yeah. um, their, uh, their, what, their the, the fact that they're not under, they don't have agency. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, Alicia and I were actually debating in the spoiler section how they're going to keep Egwene from wearing a gag so that she can still have lines. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. we're not sure. We're not okay. sure just yet. Um, Avienda tells Perrin she is in Ranland to search for the Karakarn or Chief of Chiefs and that she has tow or a debt duty to him and will be going with him to Falm. So... Not to um, diminish uh, this stuff, but I, it just the vibe that I was giving getting from Avienda was so very much a similar vibe that I would get from a Fremen from the Dune world. Oh yeah, they're the same thing. Not okay. not really, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> My water, Fremen, and, yeah, it was just. I kept hearing things going like, oh, a uh, uh, Fremen might say that, you know, mm-hmm. that might be, that may be something that we hear in Dune or, or see in Dune. So, it, yeah. um, um, and I don't know if that's intentional or if it's just trying to work on a, a particular tribal archetype, you know, of, of yeah, I, and, I think, um, Gito is very much influenced by like Dharma and Karma from, mm-hmm. you know, Hinduism. Right. And, you know, this idea that there's, there's a prescribed set of duties that you have. Right. And when someone greatly assists you or you greatly wrong someone, you have toe towards them. You have mm-hmm. a debt towards them. And you need to you you have this obligation to satisfy that toe. Mm-hmm. So she's saying, you saved my life where you go next. I'm going to help you do whatever you need to do so I can resolve my toe. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I can't move on with my life. Interesting. OK. Yeah. Which they could have been clearer about, honestly. Yeah, I it, it made. uh it, it was implied. Like I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. have a problem not understanding that. I guess I could yeah. say. Like I, I, think I they got that. Gone that's a little bit deeper into it, though. Sure, would have been nice. Sure. Elaine and Nynaeve realize they're in Falm and discuss next steps. They're knocked out by a stranger. Really, just set up for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, a, a pretty standard, 
TV trope, you know, oh, you know, they've they've been captured by who? Da, 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 the yeah, good yeah. guys, right? Okay, you know, fair <laughs> enough. Right. Nothing, nothing shocking there. P.I. Varen interrogates Leandrin, <laughs> who has a solid alibi. Leandrin says a royal envoy may have been attacked and suggests they tell the keeper. Uh, I think Varen has proven her P.I. chops much better than Moraine. Right. Very much so. She's a lot smoother. <laughs> she's, she's very subtle about deft. it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you were out of the tower? What, what were you doing, right? Like, yeah, what was yeah. your vacation? <laughs> oh, white asparagus. Was it, What was with the white asparagus? I think that was supposed to be the solid alibi, right? Leandrin has this thing that you can only get in this right. region, in this part of year, and it's far away from Falm, and it's far away from the White Tower, so it okay. made sense that she was there. I think okay. that was the whole deal there. Got it. And she was being very genial and casual. I don't, you know, she's like, oh, yes, hello, sister. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, let's yeah. go see the Keeper, oh. yeah, who I yeah. definitely have a good relationship with after very threatening cool. her last episode. Are Are you familiar with White Asparagus, though? You know, it's a real thing. No, I'm not. It's I, a German. I, I've eaten a lot of asparagus, but not white asparagus. Yeah, uh, uh, it was, it's a, a thing that you find a lot in in Germany, and I think in maybe in particular regions in Germany. And what they do is, as the asparagus is growing, they just keep covering it with a little mound of dirt. So uh, it grows, but it never develops all the chlorophyll greenness, hmm. uh, and is sort of an, an albino style uh, asparagus, and it's kind of a treat. I don't know why I'd call it a delicacy. It's a thing. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's for, certainly a thing that some people eat. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, no, no, it's like a cultural thing. Like when the white asparagus season is on, everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, it, you know, oh, we're having pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving dinner, right? That's the part of the tradition of that time period. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a real thing in German culture. So I, I have no doubt that. I don't know. Is that a show thing or was it must be a show thing? I'm guessing. Yeah, I I don't recognize this thing at all. Right. I think. Okay. I don't think Leandrin goes back to the tower much. Uh, actually, no. I think. I think. Uh, never mind. I can't even say more because I can't say any more without spoiling. But the Fair wheel enough. weaves. That's what I'm going to say. This yep, is not in the, in the books. Yeah. This is not in the books. Uh, Moraine though gets advice from her little sister, who uses Moraine's own words to help her. She says, "If something is upsetting you or making you afraid." You ask yourself one simple question. Is it true? Mm. She asks if Rand really needs Moraine's protection. So Anver is bringing a lot to this storyline. And I'm glad she wasn't just a throwaway from the previous episode. But there's yeah. actually some yeah. plot developing around her. Because the the actress has is, is got a lot of gravity and, and it it works. And, and I think it's nice to have Moraine have some sort of counterbalance and something that's sort of, you know, not uh, dulling isn't the right word, but some, another immovable object, moderating force. Right. There you go. That's a, that's a good way to explain it. So. I think that's right. And I thought it was great advice. Um, You know, she's, I, it is. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's great advice from a logic point. I'll say anxiety doesn't work that way, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say, "Well, it's not real." Well, it doesn't matter anyway. Um, in, in, unless there's a yeah, it, it works great as long as there's not a foraaken who's going to invade your dreams the moment you fall asleep. Right, but it did and get as, her thinking. Yes, it did, which is great, and and she needed that little kick, right? She needed that little uh, uh, counterbalance, right? I mean, it, it was a good thought of, well, she's been with him three months. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened yet. 
why now? I mean, I guess mm-hmm. the answer is because mm-hmm. now she knows he knows. But right. still, I, I think uh, she was about to reveal herself probably to him. Yeah. 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 It was clear in, in the bed. Way. She was. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think she still thinks that she can win this guy back. Lanfear, speaking of, invades Ishmael's dream as Rand. <laughs> they mock <laughs> the current era's backwards ways and discuss Lanfear's motivations for joining the dark. They discuss the other forsaken, Mogidian, Grandal, and the boys. Uh, which it's weird that they're bringing Billy Butcher into this with uh, Keith Urban. Um, <laughs> Crossing Lanfear, the streams again. Yep. Lanfear says she'll obviously betray Ishmael. Ishmael says he's the only one who really gets the Dark One and his plan to stop the wheel from turning. He awakens to a summons from Turok and tells him Suroth has a gift from him. A lot of rhyming names here. Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> I am telling you. And you bounced off a of dune and it wasn't half this. <laughs> I know. I know. This, I don't know so. why, but this is yeah. like nowhere near the confusion I have with dune. Well, you've read the entire t- series. But of the books, first time, so. the first time I could remember the names. Mm. And that's not the case with Dune. It's just like random names to me. <laughs> it's it's gibberish to me. Hmm. It says, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, maybe it's an interesting psychological profile in. Uh, I don't know. John Lorehound. <laughs> you know why? Know. Anyway. Very strange. Uh, we don't need to like to psychoanalyze you on this no, podcast. No, That's not no. the topic of this podcast. Right. Did you did you enjoy uh, Landfear's Randfear moment? The Randfear I I really was lost. Uh <laughs> I was I didn't it understand good, what, it was a good little flip on its head moment. It, well, in a way to introduce the thing because um Ishmael's been hopping around in in and having encounters with a couple of other characters. Mm-hmm. And he's like, been in people's dreams. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is that I didn't understand how he was having interactions with these people because they're making it to me, the way I was reading it was he's in the room. It, they didn't say there was no, you are now, this is now the dream sequence, you know, and, right. and the character falling right. asleep. And then, you know, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't clear to me. And now that's all clear to me. That's how Ishmael has been bouncing around. Right. And even in season one, you had him in people's dreams, right. invading and making them all scared. And yeah. So, yeah, all the Forsaken are are capable in Teleron Riode, but no one is as good as Lanfear. Right. And I oh. did like that. Uh, she's like, oh, you've been practicing. And he goes, well, I didn't have anything but time. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we've been trapped for 3000 years. What the heck else was I supposed to do? So something in this room that I, I noticed, um, there are d- these giant uh, stone circles with the yin-yang symbol on them mm-hmm. in the room. These were the same big stone circles that were outside of the house when they had the dark friends, uh, apologies, the social. The yep. the social. Yep. And there was one of these in the ceiling when he released Lanfear. Yeah, it's the ancient symbol of Aes Sedai, so it's a symbol for the wheel turning. The But no, um, no, no, there's a bunch of these back in here, and I think these are the sarcophagus, sarcophagi of the other Forsaken. In there? Well, it's in Teleron Rio, so they wouldn't be real, but they're certainly... He's certainly go back and look at the scene. Them, right? Go go back and look at the scene, and, and you'll see him walking around them. He... he sort of, you know, uh, runs his mm-hmm. hand along them. They were the same ones that were at the, uh, you know, like I said, at the, at the beginning, at the, at the social. And there was 
want. So they're they're doing something with these because okay. they keep showing up. Yeah, maybe he's keeping tabs on them through the dream world. I'm I'm sure they're not all sitting in a room together. No, not but, not uh, actually in in uh, <laughs> in whatever town that they're in right now. Right, where, right. Where they really are. Yeah, I I think uh, so. Yeah, so so you have Ishmael. He's stuck in Falma with the the Shanchen. Right, and then Lanfear is in Tarvalon now because she right. followed the the path. I, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Back to your co- your question about uh, Rand Rand Randfear is that mm-hmm. what you call it? Randfear. I, I I appreciated the fact, and I liked this is where the the previous scene with the sisters and then this scene are where the episode really started to get interesting to me. There was a tonal shift in some ways. There's deeper motivations happening some ways. I'm feeling the chess board movements in some ways. And but I I did love the subversion of having Rand in bed with Ishmael in this intimate moment. <laughs> I, I'm I shipping them really Rand yeah, totally. and uh, Ishmael, right? Hundred percent chemistry. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, it was a cute scene. It was funny, and um, I did like the whole. Are you going to betray me? Obviously, like, yeah, <laughs> of course, that's what we are. That's what I love about the Forsaken. And it's very similar to the Taken in the Black Company series is right. that sure, they all work for the same big bad, but they are not friends. They are not, you know, just going to work together all the time. They have right. their own interests. They have their own goals and they often will work against each other. And that's part of why they are not already in charge of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Evil. I think we talked about this during our Rings of Power coverage is that evil right. can't ever get mm-hmm. as far as it wants to because it can't trust itself. Right. And then what I pointed out is that the Wheel of Time goes a step further and says the good side has a, a lot of trouble getting together, too. For example, Two Rock saying, I serve the light, right? He believes mm-hmm. he serves the light. The White Cloaks believe they serve the light. The I right. said I think they serve the light. Right. Everyone thinks that they serve the light. But they think that that means very different things. And that is what keeps them from uniting against the dark. So the question is, which side will do a better job uniting and Mm. do a better job organizing against each other? There's always that joke about Dems in disarray in our modern politics. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so and there's yeah, there's these mythologies about, you know, what which political factions can hold together better than the others. So, yeah, for sure. The last thing we need to talk about, David, is the actual audience that Turok has with uh, Ishmael. Yeah. So they they drop here that he showed up in Shanshan at some point and pointed out the signs that they should go back. Right. He initiated Mm -hmm. this invasion. Right. Right. Which is is new in the in the show, too. That's not they don't provide this whole motivation for Shanshan. They just say, yeah, they decided to come back at this point. And and it goes to illuminate the fact that uh, Ishmael is not going unnoticed, right? He is being noticed, mm-hmm. and is that part of his game, or is is he, you know, are things are is he presenting a too high a profile for what his game is? But it feels more like maybe this is part of his game. Maybe, or maybe he needs to follow up with Surat and be like, "All right, yeah, we can kill this guy." <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it, but there's there's something not. Yeah. The it's he should be. I, I'm assuming that he should be flying below the radar. But to have him called out like that means that some other something is happening. 
Yeah, I think uh, as we get further into the series and we meet other players, you'll see that the Forsaken are not uniform in their strategy. Ishmael right. is is perhaps a little bit more under the radar usually. I don't think that's true of every Forsaken. I think some of them like to be seen. Right. They have a lot of pride and ego. Right, right. Yeah. So Nynaeve and Elaine wake up with their captor, a warder, and his Aes Sedai of the Yellow Aja. They warn the pair about the Shansen's treatment of channelers and say their descriptions have already been spread by Surath. So right. just more dramatic tension, really. Just, yeah. okay, they're, they're being looked for. That's all we know. So what's, and what's a yellow doing way out here? Well, they, they go around, you know, the yellow Aja could be, you know, healing people in, in sure, yeah, yeah. areas where Medical they Medical merc- mercenary kind of, uh, yeah. Mer- mercy, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a good enough for a justification. Uh, Surath then presents Egwene as a gift for Turok. They put a collar on her, which turns into the Demone plate armor and leash her with a chain. This is uh, perhaps the darkest scene of the episode. Yeah. Turok seemed very satisfied by this. He was like, yeah, I got me a, you know, a good prize here. This is a big deal. Surath, you're back in the movie. <laughs> uh, and uh, But it's going to take her a while to grow those uh, fingernails. Um, I know. Uh, they couldn't have thought of a less permanent solution. Exactly. I, I, don't know. I don't know. At first, I thought those were like kind of an extension with that metal yeah, bit. Yeah. But then I realized that that metal bit is actually channeling and holding and supporting the finger nail on the finger. That's what I'm, I'm guessing it is. That just made me it's nauseous, you describing that. <laughs> it's a structural support. It's scaffolding. I hate that. That made me feel the feeling of like bending your fingernail back the wrong uh, way. <laughs> Sorry. And I don't that like that. Not my intention. I apologize. Someone, someone's driving their car right now feeling that same ick, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to say that. All right. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit more about the Demane stuff because okay. what's it's a going big on with Egwene? Yeah, this is a, a key character moment for her, right? She's been okay. leashed. She's been enslaved. What's that going to do for her? What's that going to change her into? How is that going to give her motivation going forward? Is she going to get out of it? What's going to happen? Yeah, and it's a real rude awakening for her. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's had multiple rude awakenings, actually, you know, coming from, you know. Girl can't uh, get any sleep. Yeah, from, uh, you know, from a a nice, uh, you know, from the, living in the, idyllic village trope uh, to suddenly being, you know, chased by Trollocs to, you know, being yeah, I don't, I don't know if battle. I'd call, I don't know if I'd call the, uh, the show two rivers idyllic. Uh, well, but you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. and alcoholics and I still have problems with that, but um, <laughs> yeah, enough. anyway, anyway, but yes, I, I agree. She's had, she's had quite the journey over the last year or so. And this one is uh, even more like the, the Shunshin, there's, there's, there's not, um, there's a, 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 a more harsh or, or I can't, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? My brain is mush. It's like a Hammurabi um, code type of society. There's no right? flexibility in the code. It is rigid. It's a rigid society. Mm-hmm. The, the, the social positioning is rigid and I don't, I, that's not actually true though. I will okay. tell you that is that there is social mobility in the system. No, I'm not talking about mobility, but when you're in your spot, you're in mm-hmm. your spot. You okay. are not allowed okay, to yeah. be a little bit of yeah. this and a little bit of that. You are that, and that is it. 
sure. and everybody expects sure. and holds that. So when they're leashing her, it's like, yeah, girl, this is it, right? You know, the, mm-hmm. the, you are now leashed, period. End of story. There is nothing else for you. Something that is always the most interesting to me about the Shanchen, and this is developed more later on, but it's it's more of a general vibe, so I don't think it's a spoiler, is that it's actually really great to live there if you're a normal person who can't channel. Well, the dude says it too, right? That Perrin, Who says that? Uh, somebody says that. Parents, the guy that Perrin's talking to in the inn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says the white cloaks are worse than the Shanchen because once you swear the oath, he says that. He says, once you swear the oath, they leave you alone. But these white mm-hmm. cloaks, like, they're they're problematic. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like the Shanchen, if you li- just live in their empire as a regular person, not a bad place to live. They're actually pretty good about like resource management and yeah. governance and leaving people alone, letting them practice their own cultures. But then if you can channel, it is a nightmare because you become a slave. Right. So there's this tension that you have in the Wheel of Time as you evaluate the Shanchen, what do you do with this society? Because mm-hmm. they're kind of better at governing than the people in Ranland who have all this mess and war right. all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Shanchen are united. They have very few wars. They largely are are keeping it together, but they do this horrific thing of slavery of these channelers. Well, and then we, when we talk about that with uh, in the Star Wars Empire, right? You know, the New Republic can barely govern, you know, mm-hmm. can barely put its pants on in the morning, whereas the Empire, you know, kept kept things moving. But if you were under the boot heel of the Empire, it was not at all a good thing. So, right. If you're a force user, awful. I mean, right. a lot of I think a lot more people suffered under the, the Empire than under the Shanjin because right. – only, no, but I'm just talking only about channelers. Yeah, only channelers will suffer under the Shanchen mostly. Um, but, but in terms the, of of governing, empire, right? Yeah. yeah, the the what what benefits are provided to the population at large through the style of governance, right? Yeah, you know, if mm-hmm. if things are running and food is being delivered, but you're being oppressed socially, culturally, religiously, versus having a lot of freedom, but then things don't run right. Mm-hmm. So we can't find a balance. Yeah. The sad part about a lot of studies is people will forgive a lot of atrocities if there's food on the table. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If the economy is functioning, people will forgive a lot. Yeah. People don't want to rock the boat. And it's very sad. And I think that that's the case in the Shanshin society. Who's going to question them for leashing people when everything else is working for them in their normal life? Right. Right. So yeah, uh, that's that's the sociological complexity of the Shanchen, and we are uh, nearing the end of our episode, but not quite there because we've got one more scene. Moraine tells Rand that Lanfear was in love with his last incarnation and joined the Dark to get him back. They agree he can go to sleep and try to discover Ishmael's plans. She gives Rand his first choice and promises to watch over him. In Rand's dream, he's chained to a wheel in a desert, facing Lanfear on a throne. Very Loki-like, isn't she? Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> costuming, the costuming department really went out when they they swung hard. They swung for the fences on on that with the uh, <laughs> dominatrix look on the uh, in the desert. Yeah, uh, the headdress thing. I don't know. I'm not sure if it was. I, I don't know. It, I'm sure it some people fine. like it. It was fine. It was way over the top for me. <laughs> Would you I'll like your that. internet points though? Because you uh, did sure. guess you did guess that uh, Luz Theron, Rand's previous incarnation, was 
Lanfear's ex-boyfriend. Oh yes, right. Hey, I get some points. I get that new our new Discord uh, um, icon that what that yeah. Cyrus made for us. So yeah, so good job. You sussed it out. I'm not going to take too much credit because it was pretty straightforward. I think they hint at it, but I think uh, you you still figured it out. I'm giving you credit. All right, thank you. I'm depositing it into your account right now. Perfect. All right. I think that's basically it for the episode, except I want to speculate here. What's going on in this dream? What's her goal here? Well, yeah, we got some nice uh, Rand abs there. Does Rand have a like P40X workout that he's going to start selling? Because that boy's <laughs> looking fit. He's working yeah, out. It's, uh, it's called Teleron Ripped. <laughs> Fair enough. Whatever it is, it's working. It sure is. Good job, Joshua Stradowski. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's time for some listener feedback. Let's pull it in. David, would you like to read it? Sure. All right. First up, um, well, before first up, just a reminder that you can send email to us at wot at thelorehounds.com, or you can pop over to our website at thelorehounds.com and go to the contact page. And we've got a contact form there as well as a voicemail feature. And if you do the voicemail feature, it's really simple. You just click record. It uses your computer's built-in things. We get an email and then we can drop the, the audio right into the podcast. So it's another fun way to do it. As well, the Discord. And I believe there's a lot of active chatter happening there. So um, first up is Tom S. He sent in a two-part email. Uh, he says, first, hi, David, John, and Alicia. I'm so pleased to be writing in for season two. Finally. Yes. Finally is, is true. It's very true. Very happy you guys are covering it and excited for the rest of the season. Firstly, some non-spoiler thoughts. I like the introduction of the sanatorium. I don't think these were ever mentioned in the books, particularly as it acknowledged that there are other reasons for people to have mental health problems other than magic. I'm pretty sure nowhere in the TV series or in the books have we seen anyone have mental health problems except in relation to, to channeling. Men either go mad due to channeling or women become suicidal after being stilled or burned out or warders losing their bond. I'm very willing to be corrected on this, but I don't think that there are any other examples of mental illness in the books, either not related to magic. There is indirect acknowledgement of immediate effect of trauma, I think, but it's not overtly discussed. So anyway, I thought that this was interesting, particularly as a mental health professional, I've often wondered if there were any other reasons for psychosis like madness or depression in Randland world. Yeah, I really liked the PTSD of the Aiel Waste, uh, sorry, not Aiel Waste, Aiel War veteran, right? Mm -hmm. In the, in the right. first episode. Right. Or maybe it was the second episode. But anyway, earlier on. And yeah, this is very cool. I mean, I remember in the books, it is explicitly stated you can't heal mental illness. Nobody's ever figured it out. Mm. But they never, I don't think, as you're saying, Tom, they never actually have someone have mental illness except for the madness that comes from male channeling. Right. Yeah, so no, we don't often see that except as a specific device in other literature, right? So. Right. Right. Uh, continues. Also, I really hope they don't do Min and Matt. I really like them, uh, as an unlikely buddies. Uh, I do not want more love triangles. Okay. Right. I see what yep. you're saying. Yeah. He doesn't want them to, to be, he, he, he's not shipping them. 
He I agree with that. Shipped. Yeah. I agree with that. There are enough angles in the relationships in the Wheel of Time. I'll say that much. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't need any more. Right. And, and Tom had said he wrote in a, a second part here, which I haven't read because it's uh, White Tower material. So that's, Yeah, I think uh, we addressed that in the last White Tower in episode four. Got it. Okay. Ken W. in Dublin by email says, hello, recently found your podcast and joined your Patreon. Well, thank you, Ken W. I really appreciate welcome, that. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Loving everything, going back and doing a catch up and rewatching stuff. Anyway, John was wondering if it is uh, Elias. Elias, yeah. Okay. Yep. So when I'm watching on Prime with subtitles and when Elias talks, his name comes up before the chat. So it's Def Elias. Keep up the great work. Ken in Dublin. Thanks, Ken. Um, David, do you know yeah. how we talk about how if we get something wrong or if we say something controversial, that's when we get the most feedback? Yeah, 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 yeah. Twitter was ablaze telling oh, us really? about how the first time uh, Ingtar addresses Elias, he calls him Elias. Uh-huh. And I just missed it. And I okay. was like, why aren't they naming this guy? Oh, the was there a bunch time, of... In my, yeah, everybody was telling me. Every uh, single person was telling me on Twitter. Uh, but, so thank you. The message has been received. Got it. But uh, I will say in my defense, if you're introducing a new character, one time is too few times to say the name. Right, right. Because you yeah. shouldn't expect people to have to rewatch everything and need subtitles to catch the name. Yes, like me. <laughs> and we don't have subtitles in our in our uh, screeners, which is yeah, really annoying. Yeah, So. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I know a Apple has been great about doing subtitles and screeners. Right. There is no such thing on these Wheel of Time screeners. Right. So anyway, thanks, Ken, for writing in. Hope to hear from you some more. And uh, thanks for joining the Patreon. Yeah. Last up is Ivy, who wrote in an email. They say, first off, I'm a longtime listener, and I really enjoy your podcast. Well, thanks, Ivy. Um, we enjoy having uh, listeners and feedback. I got into the Wheel of Time book series because of the show and the changes immediately had me concerned about the adaptation. I was skeptical after last season ended, but I'm glad I stuck with it. I think they're telling a slightly different story, but I am here for it. I was really sad to lose Uno. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Ivy. It, it was a bit of a shocking mm -hmm. death. I was not ready for them to, you know... Uh, uh, move a particular character off screen so so violently like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I understand why they made that choice. I think it's important that Moiraine gets her power. It looks like, John, you've redacted the rest of Ivy's email here. Yes. Uh, are you I, saving I my sensibilities? It. It's uh, <laughs> It got very spoilery after that. Okay. So I'm sorry, Ivy. Uh, it'll have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for writing in, Ivy. Uh, I'm glad John saved me from the uh, accidental spoilers. And certainly, if you write in again, or for just anybody who wanna, wants to write in, just, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, hiding your stuff as long as you say, this might be spoilery, or this is for the White Tower. I can, I can be, uh, you know, e it's easy to skip uh, reading that stuff. So. All right. Very cool. And thanks, Ivy, for writing in. I, it's fun to talk about this stuff with people because it's deep, it's dense. It's yep. nice to see what people are thinking about it, especially book readers and non-book readers. David. Yes, sir. It's time to talk about our programming notes before we move on to the White Tower. Right. Our programming notes are where um, my brain is mush because we're covering three shows, three dense lore shows. Uh, we are the lore hounds after all. So, you know, I guess we signed up for it, right? It's Your it's guides to poor work-life balance. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um Foundation is uh, about to end. Uh, 
just now, right? Like it's it's happening. Yeah, we just we just uh, the same day this comes out, the finale yep. comes out. Yep. And a podcast should be in your feeds for that. We're going to do a season wrap up. We are uh, very fortunate to have both Marilyn Arpaquila, our favorite Tolkien scholar, and also big uh, Foundation fan. Uh, along with Maester Anthony from Properly Howard Film Review and uh, you may Movie also Review. Know, oh, now movie I got to correct you. I got to correct me this time, as well as the Electric Bookaloo um, Song of Ice and Fire uh, book podcast. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have them both on. That should be a good thing. We have uh, this going on and we've got Ahsoka going on. And that was that this week's Ahsoka episode, uh, part five, was quite a, a mind bender. So, we're just getting through this little period of time. And then once we put um, foundation to bed and we get the season wrap up done, we'll have a little bit of more breathing room and then we'll be able to figure out what we're doing with our, our lives from there. <laughs> October yeah. is going to be a lot clearer where, you know, John's got some uh, spare time on his hands. We're going to catch up on some of our side projects like the Star yep. Wars Film Festival, the Ursi books. Um, you've got some Lorehounds play, I think, kicking around. Mm-hmm. It's finally going to happen. I also did talk to Moses. We're going to do the One Piece live action. We are. Oh, good. We are going to do it. It's, he's do just going to watch it first. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's getting a lot of good reviews. There's a lot of buzz around it. So I, I stand by my statement to you, David. I loved it. You're going to hate it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what if I love it, though? I Then uh, I'm so happy for you because I love One Piece. But Yeah. <laughs> It might be a way for me to, yeah, to, to get into it. Um, that said, I, I think, did I see that One Piece was renewed for a season two? It just was today, yeah. Yeah, right. Very season cool. Two. So we got to hop in. Yes. We're going to okay. be kings of the pirates. Yep. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. You and Moses got it going on, so you should you should sail that ship. Mm-hmm. Sail that ship. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we're once we get into October and we have a little bit of breathing room, we'll get back to adding some of the, our ongoing shows. So uh, check out Properly Howard Movie Review if you haven't. If you like pop culture nonsense with a theologian and a stand-up comic, they are a hoot. They just dropped an episode on Ex Machina, which is a little bit outside of their schedule because the schedule that they've got going on right now for their season is all remake movies. And um, they were doing things like RoboCop, the Wolfman, they've got The Departed coming up, a whole good schedule. So check out that feed, Properly Howard Movie Review. Uh, there should be a link in the show notes if you want to jump straight to it. Also, our uh, good friend Alicia, who you're going to hear from shortly, she had to do a little bit of recalibration because they moved the Dune movie. And uh, so she was doing a whole Dune 360. But we were chatting with her the other day. She has wheels within wheels. She's got plans coming. She's got some shows coming up, not ready to announce things yet because she's still putting the finishing touches on things, but we will make sure everyone knows what's going on with the Wool Shift Dust feed as soon as um, there's more content there. Cool. Yeah. All right, David, time to say our thank yous to our patrons. As we hit always. 100 this week. It was very exciting. Very if you want to be in the triple digit club, you can come join us at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. But this list of people already has, and they've been with us, most of them, for a long time. And those who are old and new, always grateful to all of you. These are our lore masters, our top tier Patreons. Patrons. I always I always mess that up, right? I know. So patrons I. <laughs> on Patreon. Exactly. Anyway. Subscribers. Yes. Here are our lore masters who we give a shout out to every podcast. Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., 
Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, and Aaron T. Thank you all so much. Catch a breath there, man. <laughs> I know, I know. I need uh I need to pick up Rand's cardio routine to get through right, this list. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So thank you all so much. It's it's been a pleasure to make podcasts with you over the last year plus and hope to do more of it going forward. Well, I think we're just about ready for the White Tower segment, David. Uh, I think with us already is Alicia Sadai. Alicia, how you doing? I'm I'm doing well. How are you, John Sadai? <laughs> Wait, uh, men can be Sadai? No, but, <laughs> well, actually, world. they used to they used to be yeah, able to see? in the Age of Legends in, in okay. the past dragons' lifetime. And then once they started going crazy, they were like, "Yeah, you're out of the tower." In our <laughs> okay. in our tower, anyone anyone can be. And uh, John mm, already right. identified as of the brown Aja, so. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Lorehounds, right? It's I don't know. I think I'd have to be a blue Aja. Uh, okay, that's, that's my also. Aja. Yeah, they work well together. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I need to be out in the world doing stuff. You know. Yeah. The parkour Aja, really. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not green or yellow. Those are not within my. Um. Yeah. No, I have much respect for the yellows, the healers. They're very necessary, but um. I, yeah, that's not the direction I go. Although I long identified as green because they're the hedonists. Uh, but then I realized maybe I'm not actually that badass and I'm, <laughs> or at least I'm more, I'm more badass with words than I am with, you know, fists. So perhaps I'm mm-hmm. more of a, a blue or a gray. Well, didn't you say on our um, Patreon one year anniversary uh, interview where you said you're, you're, I forget what you said in the, you had a marketing description for what you were. You're like always making community or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. Community builder. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that falls within the blue purviews, right? Yeah, I guess. I, or gray. The grays are the negotiators. They're the okay. ones. Yeah. Mediators. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I think that the grays are more the psycho history type uh, socialites, whereas uh, the blues are more one-on-one, right? Making right. These, yeah. I guess the grays are negotiating. Yeah, the grays are negotiating between nations and the blues are like the ones who, they're not behind the scenes, they're quite visible as Moraine shows mm-hmm. you, um, but they are manipulating things, I guess. I think Harry <laughs> Seldon would have been a gray, right? Um, I Yeah, I don't know, I guess, I guess, but he's like, he's he's very blue also in some ways. He is. The way he, he is. Uh, he's a bit of a brown though too, right? Because yeah. he's got a lot of knowledge. I don't know. Because the Browns, Hazel, the Browns, Hazel real. The Browns know a lot, <laughs> but they don't do a lot. Right. That's mm-hmm. the problem. And I don't think that's yeah. Harry Seldon. That's true. As we saw in this episode, in fact, <laughs> we mm-hmm. got some insight into the Brown. Yeah. That was super fun. I was going to say, you know what the one Aja is that I don't think that they've even mentioned in the show is, is the white. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so which, there's a there's an actual white Aja as opposed to just being a yes of well, no they Aja. Are, yeah. They're like they're the ph- uh, philosophers, but um, they kind Ooh. of get the least book time. Also, interesting. They are the legalistic Aja. You know, they're like yeah. this is in the code, and this is what we should be doing with it. Blah, it's blah, it's blah. very. They're the lawyers, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Alicia, you're you're here. We've already given our general impressions, but what do you think of this episode? 
Um, I mean, I it was like a huge lore episode, so I was very happy. Um, I think that it moved a lot of plot lines forward. Um, I'm very curious, David, what you especially thought of it as, you know, I, I liked it a lot for the lore. Obviously, all of that was new to you. How did that fall with you? I, I It was a very rich um, episode to take in a lot of detail, and I was just thinking that if I were not vested into science fiction and fantasy and um, and being in these worlds and especially exploring a new world, this might be a little hard of a show to get into if you're an adjacent, mm. um, especially with this episode, because there was a lot going on uh, between, you know, the, the, the different powers and the right. different locations and the, the history and the lore and with Ishmael, like cruising around, you know, doing stuff. So yeah. And we spend a lot of time with the Shanshin. And if you're not, <laughs> that's a lot, it was a lot to mm. take on. And I, I just, I, anybody who's not in, vet, in wanting to get into this world, I think it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a different, I don't want to say difficult isn't the right word because they are doing a good job at explaining a lot of stuff. Yeah. But there's just a lot of onboarding that you need to do for this show. So I think the show is very much directed towards book readers. Um, in yeah. more so, um, the, the balance is more book reader than the new new person. So hear that book readers. Um, I mean, because they do, I understand why people are like, oh, no, you remove this character or you're not talking about this vocab word or piece of lore. Um, but yeah, you gave a good perspective of why it's important to streamline this a bit because it's so much. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Even streamlined, it's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. We even brought in my favorite Robert Jordanism, Teleron Riod. Yes. <laughs> yes. Say that. I, 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 was I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. I was wondering if they were going to sort of nerf that term and just be like the world of dreams. But no, they no. Went, they went all for it, which is I I like that and I think that that's you know the language, the really unique terminology in the wheel of time is a big part of that vibe, which is part of why I didn't like that they replaced the in-universe curse words with out-universe mm. curse words. And I'm really glad that they are this season really leaning into the foreignness of some of this. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I think that's what that's what makes it feel uh, unique compared mm-hmm. to you know people always are, are going to want to compare it to Lord of the Rings, and um, but it's it's not. It's its own world, and this begins to right. show you why this season. Right. right, right. The first season and the first book are very, very much Tolkien, right? And right. then yeah. you get to book two, you get to season two, and you have the Shanchen, something that's very different from Tolkien. You have the world of dreams, which we haven't really seen much of yet. We saw a little bit this episode, but that's something that was never explored in Tolkien, right? right? And and it's really, it's one of the markers of what makes the Wheel of Time so special. Yeah. Well, what I like about the world of dreams is that they have been showing it the entire time. They're just finally starting to explain. Yeah, it. yeah, that's true. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I will say that the back half of this episode, um, I started to, I think I started to see a little bit more of what does captivate and motivate people in this world. I The, the second half of the episode just felt more substantial and, and engaging for me. So as as these plot lines are moving forward and and we're getting into some motivations and we're getting away from superficial character aspects, you know, sort of the sulky mm-hmm. Rand thing, you know, we talked about that. 
like, oh, wait, wait, there's some something more going on here. There's something more going on with Perrin here. There's something more going on with, with Ishmael and Lanfear here, right? There's some depth that I'm just now starting to see how how that could start to go. And that was interesting and engaging for me. So mm-hmm. Right. Right. At the same time, I was just like, "Oh my lord, I can't, I'm not yeah. even going to try and make sense of this stuff. I'm just gotta, I just gotta ride. You know, I just yeah. gotta float here and let this thing carry me." No, I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see um, how you feel about some of the things that because I saw things being set up that I know will pay off. Sure. Uh, in this season, so cool. and beyond, of course. Um, so I'm curious how that if you go back and watch after uh, this whole season again, if you're going to see things differently. We'll, we'll, we may have time to do a lot of rewatching <laughs> next year, <laughs> yeah, depending yeah. on how yeah. this strike goes. So anyway, well, I should let you guys get out of here and, and you guys can get on to the White Tower, but uh, it's great to chat with you about it. And um, cool. We'll talk to you later. Sounds like good. Thanks, David. All right. This is your big spoiler warning now that David's gone. If you have not read all the books, if you are not comfortable being spoiled for the whole plot, leave now or forever hold your peace. And uh, we are going to take a quick ad break and the ad break will still play on the Patreon like the music will so that you have time to get out no matter where you're listening. But uh, after that, there's no rules anymore. Hmm. Here we go. And we're back. And I'll say one more time, spoilers beware. All right, Alicia, what's going on with this episode? I see you have quite a long list of things to talk about. <laughs> I think it's the normal length. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like like a, uh, like a the dark one breaking out of Shai Al Ghul. Here come some spoilers. Um, first, yeah, this, this Shan Chan, we obviously, we got to see a bit more about them. Uh, so do you think Loyal was there, apparently just like standing there all day? <laughs> um, do you think that they're going to call him a gardener since we haven't seen them bring their own Ogier? That's interesting. Maybe, maybe. They did They did call him an Ogier in mm-hmm. this uh, in, in this dialogue, the Shan Chan to Shan Chan, they, they said Ogier. But and maybe maybe they're a little concerned about introducing multiple terminology for the same thing since they're already introducing so many phrases. But well, yeah. they called him a builder before with okay, okay. Well, how many professions is an ogier allowed to have? Right, <laughs> they are builders <laughs> and gardeners. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of uh, the Shan Chan um, term actually makes more sense. It, they were kind of uh, not doing their true ogier thing when they were building all those buildings. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think of Surath's hair? There's There's been some controversy online. I did not mind it at all. I thought that it was cool that she had this weird hairdo. I, I, remember, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. In the books, I mean, they have this whole thing of like kind of the less hair you have, the higher you sit in Shanshan society. And uh, I like how they brought that in here. You know, you have Turok completely bald. You have Surath right. having... A little bit of hair, but not all the way in the, in the high blood status. Right, right. But yeah, she's even not only has her high uh, side shaved, but also um, shaved back a lot on her forehead. So that mm-hmm. shows that she's you know uh, on the high side. Right. Until she gets her nails she, she, cut. She's medium well done, right? Medium uh, well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Her her blood is yeah of the medium well done variety. Um, yep. And why? What game do you think that Ishamael's playing by giving the horn to Turok? Because Turok he just kind of takes it in the book, but now Ishamael's just like handing it to him. Yeah, I mean, I guess he thinks he can turn. He probably thinks he can turn the Shanshan to fighting for the shadow, even unwittingly. Mm. And so maybe he's like, well, if I give it to this guy, he'll blow the horn. He's he's really into glory, right? We know that's right. a big thing in the books. Really into glory. He'll blow the horn. And, you know, worst case scenario, he'll blow it prematurely. Nobody else will be able to use it, even if they get it back. And they'll be stuck, right? Because maybe he thinks Turok will either take the horn with him or leave the horn where it is and the heroes get it back. But Turok is back in Shanshan. And so they can't locate him. He's not dead, so they can't get a new horn bearer. And okay. uh, that they're stuck without the heroes for the last. And then battle. he just kills him when he wants the horn, for right? Someone else, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you noticed uh, Ingtar eyeing that horn, so it's it's nice to see them setting up that uh, redemption arc story. Mm-hmm. He's got to get the horn to to be redeemed. Yeah, and then die. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if so. Rand has not has not interacted with Ingtar almost at all, which is very different from the book. Rand is the one who kind of absolves Ingtar in the book. Do you think they're going to give that to Perrin? Yes, because isn't Ingtar also carrying around an axe? Okay. Okay, I didn't notice that, but yeah, that makes sense. So in the books, Rand took his sword. I think Perrin's going to take his axe. It was interesting. We saw Perrin fighting with a hammer this episode and Dane Bornhold fighting with an axe. Mm, And Dane Bornhold. Did you notice that this was in the Do Not Reveals that Dane Bornhold is a white cloak? I was like, it's revealed in the first two minutes he's there. (laughs) Yeah, some of the Do Not Reveals are quite random. I was thinking the same, but it is like, (laughs) it is a nice trick, I guess. You know, it's supposed to be a moment of when you see uh, that he's, that Perrin's, that the town's been taken over by white cloaks. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dane's one of them. And then, yeah, but I have to wonder how many show only people would pick up that he's named after a character you briefly met in the first season. Oh, no one's going to remember that. I barely yeah. remember that he was in the first season and I've read the books. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm I'm assuming uh, he'll be back next episode. Um, perhaps. Well, mm-hmm. we'll get to that in, in a moment. But uh, re-Ingtar, do you think that they're going to introduce Greyman? Maybe. Maybe that would... They are they just one of the like, scariest things in the books. And yeah. I think they're honestly underused in the books. Yeah. I mean, because now we, we haven't gotten the Drakkar. We haven't gotten the uh, Grom. We haven't. They've sort of just been making the fades the all, you know, catch all scary one. But I guess mm-hmm. they have to up the stakes at some point, right? They do. They do. Yeah. I, I wonder what they'll do to get there. Yeah, so are they going to introduce something like the Golem, the you know the monster that's chasing chasing the Aes Sedai in the in the last one? Which I think I think Robert Jordan said in the book there were a number of them, and this was the only one we ever right. saw. We never even saw them in the last battle. There, there's like six or something in the Age of Legends. There's there's one left, um, something like that. But I was wondering if yeah they would just fold that together with the Gray Men because the Golem is also who they think killed Barthanas. Okay, yeah. Which I ex- which I expect to happen in episode seven. That's interesting. So, Barthanas, I'm kind of skipping ahead in your notes here, but right. is he a dark friend in this? I think so. I think that they're setting it up to be extra heartbreaking. He was of the new characters. He was the one who um, 
who was the most surprising to me. It was like, oh my gosh, they made him really sweet, told him he had a kind heart. Moraine was genuinely excited to see him. Um, Yeah, but I think that that's going to be, I'm wondering if he's going to have uh, made a deal with the dark to restore his family name. Yeah, yeah, that that seems like a good motivation. And I think a big theme of this season has been what would cause someone to choose the darkness, right? Right. You have Leandrin, you have her trying to convince Nynaeve, you have Ingtar. It's going to be a big discussion right. of what makes these people turn. And Ishamael also said uh, to to Suroth, I know why you swore your oaths to the dark, and that shut her mm-hmm. right up. So Because she was being all snippy about, like, you might be forsaken or chosen, but you're not of the blood. Right. Like, okay, down girl. <laughs> that and and you also had him talking to Lanfear that way, right? You know, basically yeah. like I know I know what you really wanted with this whole thing. And then Maureen says later, you know, she chose the darkness to get Luz Theron back. Yeah. I wonder if Ishamael's um hubris is going to end up getting in his own way because he sure thinks that he has everybody in the palm of his hand. He does. He does. And I'm wondering if he really believes what he said that Falma is the last battle. Right. Right. I mean, he might. we know it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I'm I think just even new viewers. So. I think even new viewers are like, wait, didn't they say eight seasons? <laughs> right. right. Um, but yeah, speaking of the Forsaken, we got some a couple more names confirmed and we seem to have somebody ruled out. Um, mm-hmm. So we have confirmation of Mogedian and Grendel, which I would have expected and good. And then Lanfear just said the boys about the rest. So I guess that means no Semeraj uh, slash Masana. Yeah, um, they'll probably make Grendel do the Semeraj with um, with Min and Rand scene. I would right. think. Yeah, and I guess they've already um, they've already slotted Ishamiel into Semeraj's Shanchen role. So yeah. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, that begs the question, which which boys like so I, I think for, from my perspective, I would think Asmodian, um, Samuel and Robin and Demondred. But um, my friend uh, was arguing for Agenor because of his sciencey background. What do you think? It, it, do we need that in the show? You know, like yeah, do we need a science thing in the show? I don't I don't think so. I think you have complication enough with Teleron Road. Yeah, I mean, I guess they they'll probably, I mean, they'll, they'll I, there were some teases going back to that make me hope that maybe we'll get another sighting of the Age of Leg- Legend soon. Like we have Lanfear bitching that a horse is there anything slower than a horse, and um, <laughs> and Ishi was you know talking about how the people of the Third Age are still playing with swords three thousand years later. Um, yeah. So it feels like they're setting, they're reminding us that uh, the Forsaken come from a much more advanced time. You know, <laughs> it's kind of disingenuous for Ishi to be so dismissive of these people when he's actively come around and messed up their progress several times. Right, true. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. I wonder, like, did he mess with the Shanshin too over time? Because why are they also, you know, they have more technology, it seems like, right. but not a lot more. Oh, well, I mean, apparently he's been over there, so I guess so. Um, yeah. But you know, but, but, but only recently, thinking, right? They said yeah. you just showed up recently. All but, of a sudden, you've got all this knowledge. What's what's your game, buddy? But it's also a question of like, from where are we counting? Because I was I was looking at our own timeline in our world, and if we say from the start of you know recorded history, three thousand years brings us just up to about you know before Jesus. So. <laughs> 
are we even slower or they they started with a head start, I guess? I think they had a head start. I think they I, I think that they're tr- telling us that they started in like our 14, 1500s. Right. right. In, in and they the, just haven't progressed. Right. Right. Which, yeah, that is pretty slow. Yeah. OK, fair. But you also have to wonder, like, how much of our progress was luck, right, of somebody discovered something and that just propelled us forward. Right. That's true. I mean, and that's one of the storylines that I love in the books when um, when Rand starts, you know, having developing the different technology things with um, Matt and Aludra and all that. Um, I, I Yeah, that's a fun storyline for me in the later books. Mm-hmm. It'll change warfare forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and did you notice, uh, Re the Forsaken, did you notice the saw in um, Lanfear's eyes, the the black streaming through her eyes? So we have confirmation hmm. she's ch- channeling the true power to resurrect. Or I didn't notice being channeled that. into her. Yeah, yeah they, I, I, I wonder. I, I read it as the Dark One resurrecting her like that, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's definitely that, yeah. Um, but we see when they show the close-up of her eyes, there's the the saw, the black dots that are like mm-hmm. streaming through, um, which That's is cool. yeah, a book reference. Was she able to channel the true power in the book? Because I don't recall if she was or if that was just, is she, um, you, because you, even like Semiraj couldn't do it, right? Because she was shocked when Rand was able to do it. Right. Um, no, I honestly, I don't remember. Um I don't think she could. But I think, but I think in this case, uh, you know, I said channeled, but I, I, I'm what I meant is it was kind of being channeled for her. It felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I buy that. I buy that. I think that was the dark one resurrecting her right there. I think you know we we speculated last episode, right? Is it going to be what the physical version of him catching her soul at the minute of death looks like, right? right. Uh, and I and I think that's what this was: restores right. her body and catches her soul. Right. Uh, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, they, I think they did a great job of making her creepy, uh, especially when she was, you know, running through the woods with that with that whip mm-hmm. of weave. You know, she really looked like Nightmare from Sleepy Hollow. Um, yeah. And of course, sealing the woman's mouth shut. That was pretty spooky. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're also kind of they made Moraine look in the first half of the episode, at least they made Moraine look very um, they kind of compared her side by side with her, you know. Uh, and Lanfear seems to have respect for her. She calls her clever and more ruthless than I imagined. Um, what did you think about her killing the horse? Um, I mean, she was right, right? Like, it did slow Lanfear down. I mean, barely, though. And they could have just taken the horse with them. I don't know. What? Where's the horse? I mean, I guess they, they could, like, send it on its way, like, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I, I get what she's doing there. I get what she's yeah. doing there. Because it's not just her life and Rand's life, right? This is the fate of the world at stake if right. Rand dies. Right. And it's uh, only yeah. later that she decides Rand would not have died. Right. That's true. Uh, yeah. I thought that that whole uh, sequence that worked for me, the suspense there, you know, even though I, I knew nobody was going to die, but um, I, yeah, that was like a fun chase through the woods. Yeah. Uh, Although the, the horse lady could have died. <laughs> yeah. The horse lady could have. That was true. Well, yeah. Now she, I, I guess her mouth is sealed shut unless like a good surgeon can get in there. Yeah. uh, Good luck in this world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's might as well be dead. Um, But then we did see the softer side of Moraine with Anver by the end of the episode. I loved that. Yeah. She Um, was really great with Anver and, and um, 
she really kind of humbled herself, right? And and the way that she took her own advice through on there right. was really great. <laughs> That's a good tip. If somebody won't listen to your advice, just give them their own advice back at yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, throw it back at them. Although when when I've had to do that in life, usually they go, well, not well, not in this case, you know, <laughs> that's, right, that's usually exactly. the answer you get. But Moraine is smarter than that. She's she's yeah. really picking Wiser. up that this is this is the advice that I need right now, because, you know, it, well, one of the one of the things is she hadn't slept in days. Right. So that's that's part of her lack of thinking. And then yeah. when she's finally told to, like, sit down for a minute and think about it, she's like, all right, he's not dead and she's been around a while something's going on here right and what does Lanfear want yeah what do we know about her that mm-hmm. she's in love with his past life yeah mm-hmm. um and i did you know she still can't lie like she, when she they asked who rand was she tried to say a bunch of different things and then finally just says rand yeah so. i didn't notice that but now that you're pointing it out that makes a lot of sense because yeah why why would she be able to lie if she's only shielded right right exactly um, yeah. And speaking of the Aes Sedai, we got to see more of your brown sisters, um, including we met a, a couple new ones. So we got Naomi, who's invented for the show, and Yasika, who is a obscure book reference, an ancient, uh, an ancient scholar quoted once in A Memory of Light, um, when mm. Egwene says to another brown serene, so long as we do not depend on the facts entirely, incomplete knowledge is better than complete ignorance. So I'm looking for Yasika to say that during this show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there were there were some lines that they took directly out of the books in this episode. I uh I'm trying to think of the the one that really stuck out to me, but um I believe it was yes, it was the Leandrin versus Surath dialogue. Mm. That was like directly out of the book. So they are taking some things straight out instead of changing it a lot. Oh, this felt like a very book faithful episode to me overall. I mean, of course, things are in a different mm-hmm. way, but they really, you know, they dropped a lot of lore. They really made a lot of reassurances for me, at least, that they're going to be keeping certain storylines and, uh, yeah, 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 definitely pieces of world building. They're going wider with the world than I thought they would in season two. They are really mm. shifting the Overton window of this show. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hope. I mean, I hope that enough new people want to hang on, but I, maybe I only watch the uh, like reaction videos and such of of new people who like it, but they seem to love it. So <laughs> I have, I have yeah, <laughs> people are definitely hotter on this season than they were on season one, which is great, and I, I think that's right. I think this season is operating at a much higher level. Yeah, but I do know a lot of people who, you know, like they, they're hearing good things about this now. And so they start season one and then they're like, oh, my God, it's uh, the same day and I'm already watching episode six. I can't stop watching the show. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I don't want to debate season one. I know you no. really loved it. I was I was less hot on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think good and bad parts. But um, season yeah. two, it wasn't I think perfect, we can agree, yeah. is is uh, is better, <laughs> is, yeah. is so far better. Yeah. Um, one potential plot hole question that wasn't uh, Adelaus on the road with Viren and Moraine and Lan when they were coming to Tarvalon? I believe so. So where so is she? So did she go back by herself? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I wonder if this is part of a plot somewhere. I'm curious too, because it seems because they're introducing these two other Browns um, who I assume are going to be fodder. Uh, 
because it, why not give that plot to Adelaus if you're mm-hmm. establishing her? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't they know. Also, they also dropped a couple fun Easter eggs and some name references. Uh, we had Viren referencing her mistress of novices, Saray Bagand, who she was, yeah, a legendary mistress of novices turned Emerlin. But what's really okay. interesting about her is that she was the nemesis of uh, Cad Swain. <laughs> so That's it's awesome. Just, They've now given Cad Swain a best friend and they've name dropped her enemy. So um, I'm curious if we're going to get more backstory on her coming up. Um, yeah. yeah. And also Viren wanted to, she was wanted to, to borrow that book from Shiriam because uh, she said she wanted to look up something about Amarlin Tetsuan. And um, that was a red rival of the last queen of Minetherin, um, who kind of left her in the lurch and, you know, helped cause the fall of Minetherin. And uh, she was deposed and still one of the few Amerlins who was deposed and stilled. So it was an interesting mm. Easter egg as well. Is she trying to dig deeper into the two rivers now that she has sussed out that one of them is is the dragon reborn? Uh, yeah, well, she did. She promised Maureen that she would look into things. But yeah, I wonder that. But also, there's just been a few nods towards uh, Amerlins being deposed, you know, with that comment with yeah, yeah. Landrin last week and stuff, too. Good call. Good call, because I, I think that that's that's absolutely right. Varen, of course, spent the whole episode trying to vibe out who's Black Aja, it seemed like. Right, right. Which I loved, you know, knowing knowing what's coming, I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not going to tell David a single thing, but I want to hear if I'm going to ask him what he thinks Varen's doing with all this. Right. Because I really want to know how this is translating, because I, I don't know about you, but I was really surprised when that twist happened that my dr- yeah. your dress is green. Right. Um, right. Kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I, they I better hope do that it they exactly do, the same way. Yeah. I Yeah. If they change a single line in that, I'm turning the show off and we're done covering it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, it's very interesting. We see a lot of sisters that book readers uh, know are black at work. Uh, but so far, Leandrin's the only one who's being cast in suspicious light. So I think Barthanus is maybe going to be one of the first, uh, you know, dark friend reveals, other than Dana last season, who was a surprise. But Barthanus, I think, is going to surprise people and just really get people to start thinking like, well, yeah, it doesn't just because they're a bitch like Leandrin, you know, they don't have to be like that to be Black Aja or Black, mm-hmm. uh, or a dark friend in general. Right. You can be completely normal seeming. I mean, Varen, of course, is extremely like non-threatening in her approach to everything. And yeah, yeah, you could be completely. Sherium, of course, is is another example, although, as you pointed out, she's less warm in the show. Right. You know, yeah. I, I one one maybe plot hole I heard was I'm glad to see your switch is is collecting dust. Didn't she assign daily yeah. switching to? Yeah. Elaine, I thought about like, that too. An episode ago. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that too. I wonder if she's not uh if she's not seeing it through. But maybe Maybe I they are telling us that she's she's sweeter than she comes off, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe they it is it's interesting that they made her less warm because they've made so many other characters more complex and warm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I, uh, Alana is much less distant. Right. Right, exactly. And yeah, the and Barthanus and Landrin, of course. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what their long game is with the Shirium character. I'm I'm reserving judgment until I see how her story plays out in the show. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to have her 
you know, I, she saves them from the the gray man kind of, you know, we know that she didn't really, but she's she's involved with the gray man thing in the book and seems to be really, you know, kind about it. I wonder if they're going to do a similar thing where she's like, Leandrin, you are cast out of the tower for your evil nature and your taking of these girls, like really like mm-hmm. do a big grandstand about it. Yeah. And yeah, some, yeah. gain the trust of Egwene. Yeah, I think something's going to go down with Leandrin's going to get some sort of comeuppance in the last episode. I feel it. Yeah. Of this season, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And so another newbie. Uh, what did you think of Avienda? Oh, I loved it. I, I think that that was a great performance. Uh, really a lot of terms thrown out there without explaining right. them. Fardaris Mai. Um, I can never remember how to yeah, say her, and- her. Yeah. Giotto. Oh, yeah. Her. Um, mm-hmm. Her, mm-hmm. hers, except, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think, yeah, that, I think that's, it's a big lore drop and they talked about the Karakarn and all that. Um, but yeah, what did you think about uh, her taking Gaul's intro? Do you mind? Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Why, why do we need, I, you know, Gaul's fine in the books, but I don't need the whole, like, do they really like me? These, <laughs> these maidens right. of the spear. I don't need that whole plot line. That kind of went on too long and it was just kind of a running joke and like, it was fine. Like I, it didn't bother me in the book, but I don't need that in the show. That's a fine cut yeah. for me. Do you think um, they might slot someone else into being like Perrin's buddy, the way that Gaul was? I mean, Avienda could be, or it could be Ruark. Yeah, true. It could be Avienda or Ruark. Yeah. I was wondering. I was wondering how they're going to play Aram this turning. I have a feeling, you know, by book, um, by the way they're adapting the books, we should see him in season three, hopefully, um, if Daryl McCormack isn't getting too big. Um, and I'm wondering if he could be, you know, if they establish more of a friendship between him and Perrin, then if they keep his story as it is in the books, it might sting worse. Yeah. Yeah. That is a pretty heartbreaking story. I, I've i heard people say he's a wasted character, but I don't think so. I think that that really shows, like, how deep the cult of Massimo went. Right. Yeah, and I don't ha- think he's how a... Deep that whole- the whole yeah. obsession with the dragon reborn and all this, it was, it was yeah. not healthy. Yeah. I, I don't think he was wasted. I just think he was underutilized. Um, cause I was, I always really liked him in the early books and then, yeah, you see what happens to him and, and that's, you know, just reminds you of people in real life. You're like, Oh, this, this kid's great. And then you see them be corrupted by the propaganda around them. Um, and not listening to anything beyond that. And yeah, and that's you too a tragedy could get a Facebook account. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah. and yeah and then, so in the end um so Perrin he rescued Avienda but then I guess they just left Uno in the cage he went back Uno? to bury him yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. he went back to the town to bury him and I guess he's still just there so yeah well what are you what, what are you gonna do you got two living people and you only barely escaped it is what it is at that point right yeah yeah um, yep. I think the next episode with Dane and and Daddy Bornhold is going to be sad. I have a feeling that you know, in that part of the eye of the world in the book, uh, Perrin rage kills some white cloaks, and I have a feeling that it's going to be um, Child Bornhold the senior. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, or they could just remain angry at him for this. Right. This could just be the thing. Uh, I thought that the fighting choreography was really great with, um, with Avienda. 
Batman yeah. really sold me on. These are dangerous, dangerous warriors. He's going, right. don't go in one-on-one. They'll get you. And she's like, no, don't worry about okay. it. I got it, even if it's a group. Yeah, I liked her giggle when he went to protect her. <laughs> she's like, nah, bro, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, the the um, what's what's the name of the Dune version of the Aiel? Um, the Fremen. Yes, the Fremen. I I want I want to ask David about the Fremen if if he considered her just a Fremen on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that the the Aiel have a more fun fighting style than the Fremen. I don't know. Well, actually, that's not true because the Fremen do this like weirding thing with you know if you not in the Dave Lynch film, but uh, in the books and otherwise. Anyway. It's kind of a cool sand ninja thing. Okay. Well, we've um, got we've got sand spear people now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we also got um, Rima, the yellow Aes Sedai, who, yeah, we know, book readers know, is going to become Pura and be completely broken. So that's going to be heartbreaking to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if her warder Basan's going to die when she's captured. Um just counting the deaths we'll see uh and then we also got rena who is i know a lot of people are excited about zelia mendes jones and i have to say i went through the entire episode and then got to the credits and i was like oh wait yeah zelia mendes jones was in in this and i went back to the scene where um Egwene is collared and i had to like do a photo side by side with them on the screen to recognize that it was the same person wow interesting interesting speaking of shanchin casting by the way I speculated that the speaker for Surath was uh, Stormfront from the boys. Absolutely not. Completely different actress who kind of looks similar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jessica Boone. She's um, she's married to Guy Roberts, who p- played Uno. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, one of them still has a job. <laughs> yeah. She posted some funny things on Twitter um, uh, afterwards. You know, she was like, oh, something t- terrible happened today. And then she's like, dot, dot, dot. We traveled with toddlers. They're a nightmare to travel with. <laughs> That's pretty funny. They are um, a nightmare to travel with. <laughs> so, yeah. So they, uh, do you think they put it up in to shut people up? They double leashed Egwene. We had that weave leash that yeah. bonded them and then an actual physical leash. Yes. Okay. Maybe they did, but I don't know. Maybe they're like, this is a really powerful one. Let's just, you know, cro- cross all the T's, dot all the I's. Yeah. Yeah. I, they didn't put the thing in her mouth yet, though, so I'm curious because obviously you don't want to make Egwene not be able to speak. Right. I I think uh, maybe that'll be part of We know Rena introduces herself as one of the more lenient Suldam, and right. maybe this will be one of her things. She says, well, you know, most of them want their, their demane to be silent, but I think that we need to have a relationship. So here you go. Uh, but if you start talking back too much, then I will get right. you. Right. I think that might be a good way to do that, to keep her ungagged. Very The Handmaid's Tale, where, um, yeah, spoiler for, I don't know, season three or whatever. Um, when they go to Washington, D.C., they use that as a threat over the main character because there are handmaids there who have their mouths sewn shut. Yikes. Well, yeah. I uh, did not watch The Handmaid's Tale, but that does sound terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then, yeah, the queen, we finally got a name drop. Uh, I guess we're going to m- meet her the next episode, or definitely I'm guessing episode seven is the wedding. Um, so it's Queen Goldrin, so a completely new name, not a Riatin at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, was, wasn't was Galdrain the name of the king in the book? 
Um, yeah, the first name. Yeah, so maybe they just made it a last name. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, and Hopper. That's a, another sad time. I'm looking. I'm not looking forward to, but I'm looking forward uh, to the fact that it's going to open up the world of Teleron Riyadh, which mm-hmm. we saw a lot more. Do you think Teleron Riyadh is going to be blended with like the Flicker Flicker concept? Or do you I don't think- know. That's that's a tough call. I hope that they keep it separate because the flicker having it be actual other realities instead of Teleron Riode, where it's it is a different plane in the same reality. Mm-hmm. I think that those are two dis- distinct concepts, and I don't think it would be as meaningful if those other things weren't real that Rand experiences. Right, and also I'm thinking that um, the alternate realities is also maybe connected to the archways and the accepted tests and such. Um, okay, which yeah. would make what Nani went through more meaningful. Right. Like she really had a daughter and that daughter had to stay in that reality for some reason. And yeah, right. that's really tough. <laughs> that's really tough. So she just left her daughter to die. Yeah. Wow. And I'm also wondering if that's how Rand is going to get to foam after the whenever yeah. goes down at the wedding. Yeah. Or Or is he going to? try the ways again. I, I wonder if they'll do that whole thing where the ways are caught up with uh, Machin Shin. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, because it seems like uh, Landrin and co. had a relatively easy trip this episode. Right. I guess um, the dark can kind of somewhat control it, right? Because they had a, the same thing happen in the book, right? Is that the the in the same book, you have Ren unable to even enter it, and you have Machin Shin clawing its way out. And you have Leandrin easily going from the White Tower with the girls to Falma. Right, right. Yeah, I loved, by the way, that Leandrin at the last minute undid Nynaeve's uh, ties. Yeah, they sold me on that. They sold me on that that she would be motivated to give Nynaeve a fighting chance. You know, she has to follow the the orders of the Dark One and, and Ishmael, but she can have a little bit of passive resistance here and there. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about her still though. Um her son is back on the uh cast list for the final episode. Um I yeah. Or I'm yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that's going to be a sad end to her story. Uh which is a mark of good writing, the fact that I'm worried about a secondary villain something happening to her. <laughs> yeah, um she deserves pretty much everything that happens to her, but yeah. They did. They did a good job humanizing her as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. So, what what are you most hoping to see in the weeks ahead? Uh, we've got three episodes left. Flicker, flicker. I really, yeah. I really want the the flicker scenes. I want to see Egwene leash the Sulam, just mm-hmm. like in the in the the book. I want to see Rand earn his Heron Mark blade. Right, and okay. I want the Battle in the sky to not look stupid. <laughs> those those are my four big ones. How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I want Flicker Flicker. Um, I'm surprisingly invested in the Dice Daimar storyline. I don't know okay. why. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out, um, which is definitely not the case in the books. Um, I guess, yeah, I, you know, the Egwene storyline is really tough for me because it's one of my favorite characters, but this is the moment where she you know, it becomes what she starts to become what she mm-hmm. 
ultimately becomes. You know, she's uh, she's breaking out of her cocoon after this uh, because yeah. now she she kind of gets fast tracked into being powerful. Um, and and I way. think she kind of it becomes more okay with breaking rules because she's like, well, I followed the rules and right. I did everything right, and I got turned into a slave. Right. And I think it's a big. It, this is a big formative moment for her. Right. Is absolutely. getting caught. You know, ma- making yeah. sure that she'll never be put in a situation like this again. Yeah. The uh, actress who plays her shared someone shared um, a a Twitter post that she did back when they were filming, and it was a picture of a Barbie doll with um, makeup smeared all down her face, and she was like Egwene in season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not great, <laughs> not mm. great. She's already had a couple devastating scenes, you know, thinking her friend's dead and thinking Rand's dead, and she every, everybody's yeah, fake dead around her. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I'm excited to see this this final battle because I've heard from a production standpoint, I've heard that like they use six different cameras and yeah, there's going to be just all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Uh we know we're getting the heroes of the horn, we know we're getting the battle in, in the sky. Um that's a lot to pull off. So, I am waiting with bated breath. I hope that they nail Arthur Hawk- Hawkwing because there's this kind of jolly cheerful warrior that he is is I always picture him as in the book like ha ha we need the banner now my good sir <laughs> you know and I I just want that tone to translate <laughs> yeah oh, fingers crossed yeah. um and yeah oh and the other thing I'm looking forward to is Haley Mills is going to show up in episode seven so I can't wait to see who she's playing okay yeah I'm curious I'm hoping Amis um, because they're getting into the dream stuff now or another wise one, but uh, I don't know. That's just my personal hope. Yeah, you have you have her saying to Egwene, get the hell out of this place. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll probably start teasing some other characters at the end. I think it would be great to have Mo Gideon show up in somebody's dream or show up mm. to, to talk to Lanfear or something. At the end, or or even start to recruit Leandrin. I think that would be a good way to introduce her. Leandrin gets cast out of the tower. Mogidian says, "All right, kid, come with me." Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious because they've done some significant name drops. Where I mean, now we've only heard Mogidian once, um, but we've heard others like Taib and Kadswain twice. Um, so I'm wondering. Like, how many name drops until we get a face drop? Good question. Good question. <laughs> yeah, I hope that we see more faces this season, but I think probably season three will be the introduction of a lot more big characters because we've got, you know, book four as season three, supposedly. Yeah. Um, there's an actress who, uh, what's her name, Lana Costa or something? Um, she is apparently cast for this uh, season, but we don't know for what role yet. Uh, oh, no, they wrote her down as Magdalena. So okay. I'm wondering if she could be Mogedi, and a lot of people are hoping that, because she's got this like natural little smirk that's just kind of perfect. Hmm. Who is this again? Say the name again. Um, what's her, her name's Lana Costa or something Costa. Okay, interesting. I'm looking her up. I could see this as a Mogedian. That seems good. That seems good. Yeah. Mogidian, of course, has to nail the whole, um, you know, like really scary when she's in control and really frightened the minute she's not. Right. That's got right. that balance has got to be there. That that was such a cool part of her character is just how she will just slither away the minute that she's not winning. 
Yeah. No, like she's a she's a self preservationist. Mm-hmm. She's very good at it, and of course, her ending is fantastic in the book too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm really glad that I have to say she and Graindal, and I guess the other one that I most want to see is Asmodian. Um, I I'm glad that at least I have two of those confirmed. Yeah, you you may get him as one of the boys, but we'll see if that actually happens. Yes, please be the Gleeman uh, that we saw already. <laughs> I just want that like that would be fun. I, yeah, to have laid that Easter egg, that would be so fun. Yeah, I wonder, you know, Rand's going to talk to Lanfear now in the dreams. We know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Is he going to say, like, if, if I were Rand and I were trying to earn her trust, I'd say, look, I can't control myself. Can you help me? And then she could say, well, I know a guy. And that that would be the introduction right. to Asmodee, and that would be great. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. I wonder that. Or... I wonder if they were going to have like her be the one to teach him things, which would piss a lot of people off because she's a woman. Um, right, I mean, right. not because no, uh, not right. Yes, yeah. because because women can't see men channeling and it's a right. different vibe. Yeah, right. Which may be why um, they need like the one two with um, with Loghain. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I wonder I'm, if that's actually going to come back now. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, you know, especially now that it seems like we're not getting Samaraj, um, if we're also not getting Asmodian, I don't know. I would be surprised if we didn't get him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I think that's that's plenty of thoughts for this segment of the White Tower. I'm really excited for episode six, and I, I'm sure you are, too, because we are we are both very into the series now. Yes. <laughs> yes. This season's been great. Now we're uh, and I heard from the um Sarah Nakamura, the what, the person who's like the uh, lore hound mm-hmm. master on set, uh, she said her favorite episodes were three, six, seven, and eight. Okay, so we are <laughs> moving yeah. into her favorite stuff. That's cool. All yeah, right, so. Alicia Sadai, thank you very much for joining me at the White Tower this segment. Uh, we will see everyone on the next episode. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.